JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. And here we go. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. Busy Monday for you. What a hell of a weekend for the Pacers. When you think about it, really going all the way back to Thursday, that win, the win on Thursday, and then the improbable comeback. So you get Devin Booker, who was hitting absolutely everything, going for 60-plus. You thought really early he was on his way to 80. On his way to 60-plus, and then you get a team that just hangs around. You get a team that just takes advantage of those situations. You're going to look back on this weekend or extended weekend, Thursday through Sunday, and you're going to look at this as being one of those signature moments that you always enjoy for a positive season. That is a big deal. Thursday, we talked about that on Friday. Just getting over Joel Embiid was one thing. But what you did on Friday all looked lost in that game until the end. Just some incredible stuff from the Pacers. And then yesterday, maybe you're not going to look at it because Memphis is, is not a good team. Memphis is without basically everybody. But you had the opportunity with not a lot of your guys as well playing in that game. You know, talking about Alliburton, Miles, McConnell, being down a lot of guys, but also being able to step up and obviously not not the best game. It's, it's funny. People looked at it yesterday as as a grinder. I guess it was kind of a grinder. To me, it wasn't a bad game, but it was kind of a grinding game. And the Pacers take that before you have a couple on the road in Boston and New York this week. No, Julius Randle, I think for the foreseeable future for the Knicks, got a TNT game coming up tomorrow night where certainly it looks like the return of Tyrese Halliburton is imminent. And nothing wrong with that. 
And I know that we look back at one of these signature games. I'm talking about a signature weekend with the Pacers, right? This past weekend, but the signature game or one of, if not Sacramento, on the road in that game almost now a couple of Thursdays ago. You look at that Boston game, that Boston game on a Monday night that vaulted them into the in-season tournament semifinals. And the crowd, that was really, that was the crowd, that was the Pacer fans' introduction of this team. It's like, oh, okay, you do have something this year. And as I've talked about, you just do evolve into raising the bar even more. Not a damn thing wrong with it either. None. I found myself, and I'm curious if anybody else felt the same way. Anybody else skeptical about jacking with this team at all? And we'll talk to Chad Buchanan at the bottom of the hour. I'm skeptical about it. I'm not suggesting that they're one or two or that high in the East, but I just sit here right now and I want to know what this thing looks like when you're healthy. And I don't know if if Halliburton's back tomorrow, I don't know if that's going to be enough time to soak it in. Or in New York or Boston, or check that, I'm sorry, Sacramento later on this week. I don't know if that's going to be enough time for me. Anybody else out there skeptical? And in terms of what you're going to get, it's not like you're going to get, or at least we expect them, if they were to make a move, to get anything of significant turnaround value. Now, talking about making this team better, it's just going to be something that you can get because maybe you don't believe that Heald is going to be back. Maybe you don't believe that you're going to retain Obi. I just I want to see more. And if you don't feel the need or the have to right now to do it, anybody else on the same page with me? And I know a bunch of nerds out there are saying, well, what about trade capital? We got to get trade capital. You can't lose it for nothing. I'm all in for not losing something for nothing, but I am further in with wanting to see what more can be done when you finally get all these guys healthy and significantly together. Who agrees with that? That's not sitting on, I know that that's counter to what I normally say. It's not sitting on your hands. You just haven't had a good enough look-see about what to expect or what you should get. And I'm sorry, I know he signed a one-year deal, but I am absolutely, and maybe it's because my mom. You know, I basically do as a good boy. I do what my mom asks. Sometimes I go, okay. Like when she called yesterday and said, why is the Pacer game not on? And I said, well, I think it's because you've got it on the wrong channel. And we figured that out. Lickety. Got it done. She found it. But she wanted to make sure, and I'll pass this along to Chad Buchanan. She wanted me to make sure that everybody out there was aware. I'm talking about my mom, who is, what, 78, 79 right now? And she watches every single second of Pacers basketball. And uh, she has told me that I need to tell people that there's no way in the world they should trade Obi. Now, she said Obi Tappen. And I'm assuming not to trade Obi Toppin, too. But do not trade Obi. There is no Obi to be traded. And honestly... I think he fits this team. He fits this city. He fits this fan base with skill set, with opportunity. 
like a glove. And I think that there's a lot to be said about just that. I mean, who knows what amount of money you're going to ask for in free agency. I mean, Buddy Heald's in a similar situation. I think we all understand, you know, what what is necessary and what you get from him. The same can be true as we've talked about what you get on a normal basis from T.J. McConnell. I just think Obi Toppin fits this team. I mean, think about it for a moment with Obi. He was a starter and things. They tried to improve their defense. By the way, the 110 rule thought maybe would come close to violating the 110 rule yesterday, but they did not violate the 110 rule. However, Obi starts. They make a shift in the lineup, and Jalen Smith goes in. There's another you have to think about, too, that seemingly fits like a glove here. Like, like if I get some other options that make more sense, then okay, I'll understand that. But right now, I just want to see how all these guys healthy and playing together will look. We've had bits and pieces. And I think for the most part, we like it, but we really haven't seen everything at absolute full strength. But getting back to Obi Toppin, I just think he fits like a glove here. He goes to the bench and he comes off. He had that big game winner on Friday night. He's had big moments as well. Gives you most of the time scoring punch for a bench. And here's what's interesting. You talk so much about this bench and about the depth of this team. So your expectation is what? Your expectation is them stepping up in those moments. And that's what they did on Friday night. And in fact, because of the injuries or guys sitting out yesterday, that's what they did yesterday. Andrew Nemhard has been really good. So I know normally we get a significant sports arousal out of talking about trade deadlines. I mean, especially when you're winning and you know, most of your thought is that you can trade somebody and add something of higher value. I think if you trade somebody here, it is just going to be because of your fear of losing and your return is going to be some pick in the distant future that, frankly, I sit here right now and I know what you're going to tell me in the future. Hey, look, that's how they ended up with Siakam is because of draft capital. Well, I told you I got sick and tired of hearing about draft capital as much as I get sick and tired of hearing about cap space in terms of the Colts. There are moments in which you need to make a deal and utilize what you have created. Stop yapping about it and then utilize it. So good, they did that with Siakam. I just want to see these guys play together a little bit more. And I don't have any visions of one seeds or anything like that. And I'm not suggesting that they sit on their hands and do nothing. But what I am suggesting is I have a high level of interest in wanting to see this team at full strength play together for a minute. And you don't have a lot of time prior to the trade deadline. What is it, two weeks away? So I realize time is of the essence. So let's go ahead and magnify the next couple of weeks and certainly this week of games that do not get any easier. You get Boston, you get New York, even without Randall. Then you get Sacramento in here, probably a little bit salty. And on the first time the two teams met, so you've got some chores to do. I just like to see this group play together beginning tomorrow night. You know this. You know that this team, you know that Tyrese Halliburton especially has circled this at the start of the season was going to be the only TNT game they had. 
it was embraced, it was talked about, and then obviously they ended up getting on nationally televised games by doing the work that they did in that first in-season tournament. But this was going to be it, and this is coming up tomorrow night, thus the return as expected, as reported by Adrian Orjanorowski and others, the probable return of one Tyrese Halliburton coming up tomorrow night. Anybody else with me on that? Anybody else have a differing opinion? Don't you feel like, don't you want to see this team with their their parts and their pieces that are useful, the depth? And that's the other thing, too. I get really concerned if you talk so much about the depth of this team and then for that depth because of draft capital, a fear of losing or whatever, that depth being compromised midseason or a little past midseason. A good weekend. That was a signature weekend of this season for the Pacers. Making things incredibly exciting. That building on Friday night was, what do they say? They still say it this way, lit. It was lit. Somebody told me on X a little bit earlier I was too old. I'm saying lit, so clearly I speak the language of the younger generation right now. Uh, We can hit that at 239-1070 if you so desire. I mentioned Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager, bottom of the hour. Uh, We'll ask him to tell us exactly what their plan is, and I'm certain he will counter by suggesting, yes, here is our plan. He will give it to us 100% or else. And they owe me a breaking news story, by the way, too. I mean, I know Jake got Miles a little bit earlier. I mean, just a great conversation per usual with 33. And then Miles said, yep, I should be back tomorrow night. Morning show last week, as we've documented right here. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle gave him that breaking news. So there's somebody that's kind of left out right here. I need a nugget of breaking news. I know I've had it before. I know I had the Manning neck. I know when Tony Donahue was with me, he had the snowboard. I know that everybody else kind of acted like it was theirs. Tony Donahue had it. Tony Donahue was being Ubered around before anybody else even knew what Uber was because he needed rides all the time because he was a man about town. The Brad Stevens thing, I thought I was getting catfished. It didn't go with it. Unfortunately, 10 minutes later, it was accurate. But it has been a while, so I need my nugget. <laughs> Talk to Chad Buchanan about that coming up at the bottom of the hour here, too. James Boyd of The Athletic, he's been doing the Pacer games, too, right? Pacers and Colts, yeah, a little mixture of that. Coming up, Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com at the 5 o'clock hour. And we've got the Super Bowl set. I'm not going to downplay it at all. It's a Super Bowl. We'll all get excited once it gets here. But I'm assuming that most people out there, outside of Jimmy Cook, probably thought, yeah, here we go again with Kansas City. And then was incredibly bummed when Detroit hosed everything last night in the fashion in which they did. This doesn't make me old crusty fart here to say you just – to go ahead and kick that field goal and take the points, make it a three-score three game at that moment. Hey, listen, all this other crap probably would have happened anyway, right? And I've I've heard it all too. You you know I've I heard all would-be coaches say how you have to coach, and I just go oh, whatever. You do have to have a feel for the moment, and I know that Dan Campbell's been somebody that his moment has been. Yep, let's do it. <laughs> let's go for it. Like that dude on The Price is Right. Yeah, let's go. 
Or, um, oh, the Card Sharks game. Yeah, Card Sharks. Higher. Just at that moment last night, you just got to take the points. And I do realize it goes counter to what he has been all year, but those situations, most of the time, compared to how he did and what he did execution-wise, decision-making-wise in the regular season, those are different circumstances altogether. Challenging circumstances, which would call, I would think, for a different measure and or angle of thought. Now, again... I am not at all excusing the misplay after misplay and the meltdown that probably would have happened to this group anyway. I think what happens is this is an exercise in new kid on the block being right there and then getting a a nut kick and moving to the back of the line again. And you were looking for something different. I, maybe maybe Frisco is a little bit different for you. I don't know. But you were looking for this great store. 35,000 people at Ford Field watching that. Can you imagine? I mean, this is really two things, right? Actually, three. Can you imagine? 35,000 Lions fans. Up 17, feeling good. You feel no pain. And then to have, and it really didn't happen slowly. I mean, it was a rapid-fire pace in which they gagged up that lead and then ultimately lost the game. But think about this for a moment. 35,000 people that had a Super Bowl trip basically yanked right out from under them by the level of play in the second half of their team. Yanked right out from under them. Then, what also was unfortunate You walk out of Ford Field, and you remember again that you're in Detroit, and then you walk a little bit further, and remember again you're in the state of Michigan. Wow, man, I'm telling you, that is just a bummer. That just adds to it, doesn't it? Oh, man, we just lost in the NFC title game. It was right there for us to win, and now we got to walk out of this stadium, and we're still in Detroit. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're still in the state of Michigan. Well, hell. I thought Dan Campbell did hit on something, and this is something that I had talked about after the Colts lost to the Texans going back a couple, three weeks now, is you absolutely have to take advantage of a moment when that moment happens. It's not just a lyric in an Eminem popular song. You have to seize that moment because there is no guarantee for the Lions. Dan Campbell's right. It is going to be excruciatingly more difficult to get back into a similar situation next year. Meanwhile, you go back a couple, three weeks for the Colts and you, well, everything's going to be okay because everything's in place and we got the quarterback and we got the coach and everything's going to be great. You don't know squad about anything going to be great. And this is not me trying to be negative on it. I'm just playing off of what Dan Campbell said last night, which is the absolute gospel. It's the truth. You have no idea. And when you can't take advantage of that type of situation, much like the Colts at home with Houston in your building, just to take that next step, there are no promises, none whatsoever, especially in that stinking sport. Maybe next year the Bears ride rise to the occasion. 
I don't know, giggle. You're still going to have to deal with Green Bay. Who knows what Minnesota is going to look like? Who is going to be the next NFC flavor of the year? That's, to me, why, just besides all that happened in that game, why he was so down, obviously down after the game, you know how much more difficult this is going to be. You believe in your guys. You believe that they can come back. You believe that you can make yourself better. You don't know if you're going to have your same offensive coordinator. I guess maybe you know you're going to have your same defensive coordinator, but again, maybe not. At least one split right down the middle. Then you saw what happened to Philadelphia in the Super Bowl last year. Everybody had the vision of greatness right there. They lose their offensive. They lose their defensive coordinator. And it didn't really look the same late in the season, did it? It is just hard. It is hard when you don't take advantage of great positioning in moments like that. That's exactly, again, at the end of the regular season, what I was trying to explain to you. Everybody thought it was me being... You know, just huffy, puffy, old, curmudgeon-y farts. It's not that. It's disappointment in being there, being set up like that, and then failing at that attempt. And how difficult it is to get back. Dan Campbell spoke to that last night, and Dan Campbell is absolutely accurate. Boilermakers, a big win over Rutgers. I know it got a little bit salty in that second half. Too much Edie, too much Braden Smith. And the Boilermakers get the win over Rutgers. Hey, shout out, by the way, to Thad Mata and his team. Double overtime over Villanova in a game that they absolutely had to have. Going back to Saturday afternoon. Uh, IU, zero threes. A big donut hole zero. I tell you what's amazing. What's amazing in this era of basketball, and I don't want to hear from a bunch of knucklehead, would-be, wannabe, could-be coaches. I don't want to hear that. What is nuts in this era of basketball is to go three-pointerless in a game and then still have a chance down the stretch, but still actually have a chance on the road against a top-15 team. That's kind of amazing. I mean, it doesn't make anybody feel good. You sure as hell shouldn't feel better, but what? I mean, you're playing a completely different style of game than everybody else. I mean, they, you come back home tomorrow night, you may have some peach baskets set up in Assembly Hall. Yeah, you just, you go all the way back to the invention. It's incredible. But they're hanging in, hanging in. I know a lot of this has been argued, and I know the easy answer is going to be, well, he just got that technical on reputation. Let me tell you this. When you're playing basketball and you go up, and this guy, and by the way, the guy the guy that blocked the shot and then he threw the ball too is as big a nut as he is, right? So if you're Xavier Johnson, you go up, get your shot blocked, and then Coleman Hawkins goes out of bounds and he's standing right there. You get the ball fortuitously right back and then you put it back up and you score and you throw the ball to the guy that had blocked your shot previously or been around the play previously. Yeah, you didn't do that by accident, all right? You you didn't do that because you expected him to catch it because you thought, well, maybe there's some time left on the clock and he's going to go ahead and inbound the ball. 
You didn't. You did that because you were being a jerk. You did that because you wanted to show that dude up. That's why you did it. So let's make sure we clarify that. I know a lot of people said, I can't believe that was a soft tech. Hey, soft tech all you want, but you absolutely know why that was done. It's done that way every time. Every time. It was meaning behind it, and it wasn't, hey, I just wanted to give this guy a chance to inbound the ball because I thought the clock hadn't ran out. And I'm just making that up, but there certainly there were ill intentions behind it. I mean, you deal with it with a technical, and the reason why that happened is because you had, you know, Hawkins, who go, Hawkins, by the way, goes ballistic on anything. You watch this guy, you watch him against Northwestern. If you watch Ty Berry, Ty Berry gestured at the Illinois bench at the end of that Northwestern game that went in overtime on Wednesday, and Hawkins just goes crazy. He is the dude that's going to run right up to you and be ready to fight and then know that he's not going to fight. But he does that a ton. It really was a meeting of the minds right there. We'll talk about that. My Sycamores, by the way. More votes and a big win on Saturday. We'll get to that coming up on the other side. 239-1070. Email address jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We'll check you out in there. The AAA membership YouTube Live lounge. And uh, the stream, the app, HD Radio. We got you covered with Chad Buchanan, general manager of the Pacers. I'm going to lurk. I'm going to hunt for some breaking news to make things even out on this station. Chad's going to join us coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James Boyd later on. Stephen Holder, ESPN later on. Ian Eagle later on this week. I think I saw Ian last week do his first NCAA tournament game as voice of the Final Four. I know you guys are all wanting me to talk about the Sycamore. Shout out to Josh Shirts, Robbie Goggles and company. It got a little scary there down the stretch in regulation, but you got into overtime and you felt pretty good. Indiana State getting more votes as they should. Indiana State's got Belmont and Nashville on Wednesday. And then Drake and uh, what's that dude's name? He's about 35 years old. I think he's my age. That's, uh, oh, uh, DeVries. Is his name? I've never heard of that guy before. This is DeVries. He's about 35 years old. I think he may have played with me at the Bloomington Y. No, I'm not sure. But uh, he is a good player, and Drake at the Holman Center coming up next Saturday. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, a friend of the show. Um, high school phenom, from what I've uh, heard in the past, too, and uh, making some really, really good deals. And uh, if you read what Magic Johnson had to say, was the guy behind the uh, Pascal Siakam deal. Is that the first time? Chad Buchanan, by the way, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The first time you've received props in your life from Magic Johnson? 
I think it is. I think he must have probably just Googled who's the GM of the Indiana Pacers that <laughs> night and found my name and put it out there. So <laughs> I can't say I have a previous relationship, but I'm, I'm flattered that he knows knows who I am. Well, I, I should have dressed it up a little better than I did. I was going to do something to try to make light of Kevin Pritchard as if he had zero to do with it whatsoever. You know what I mean? That's good. I just said, yeah. He had kind of a lot to do with it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you know, great job, Chad. Um, good thing you stepped in there for Kevin to make sure this thing uh, uh, got etched in stone and solidified. I was going to start, and then I thought, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. So I'll stay right here. Hey, uh, what, what do you feel about the fit so far? And, and I know this comes, Chad, without – having seen everybody significantly and healthy playing together. But what do you like about the fit of Siakam here from from this point? Yeah, so we've been, you know, big fans of Pascal for quite some time now. You know, for me, even dating back to his college days and always felt like it was a guy who played basketball the right way. He played hard on both ends of the floor. He really developed in Toronto. They did a fabulous job developing him into an all-around player with his skills, his scoring, his passing. And as we watched him you know, over the last few years and, you know, once we acquired Ty and we saw how we were going to play with him and with Coach Carlisle, how we'd like to play, he just felt like a natural fit with our system. And so far it's been everything we hoped for. And, you know, we only had Ty for one of those games, but I don't think – you know, we win all these games that we won recently this week without Pascal's, you know, comfort level as he gets acclimated to our team and how we play. And they're really excited to see the whole pieces together out there um, and see how it looks because we're very optimistic about the fit. He is Pacer General Manager Chad Buchanan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I call either the road win at Sacramento a couple of weeks ago almost now or going back to that, that game that got you guys into the semifinals of the play-in tournament against Boston on that Monday night at Gamers Fieldhouse as your two signature wins. But was – was what we have seen from Thursday through Sunday, was that a signature weekend? It seems like that that is something that you look back on and you go, yeah, if we do something really strong in the remainder of this season, you know, that was kind of the turning point. That's what it felt like last weekend. Did it to you as well? I agree, John. This, those three games, were all of them were distinctly different, you know, in, in the matchup and just the situation. And uh, that game Friday night, our guys showed just a lot of toughness. They dug down deep when it was easy to be, hey, it's the second night of a back-to-back. They've got you down. There's a lot more talent, you know, probably on the other side than there is on our side that night. And but our guys showed an immense amount of grit and fight, and the fans were outstanding, got behind the guys, really in, injected a little energy into them down the stretch. And our coaches did just a spectacular job getting us ready for all three of those matchups because each one was different. You know, yesterday was a grinded out in the mud, ugly rock fight, and that's how Memphis always plays, whether they got all their guys or – or, you know, the group they played with yesterday. So it's it's encouraging to see us win a different type of game, you know, each time. You know, you gotta you gotta shut down, you know, potential MVP of the league on Thursday. You gotta play against, you know, three potential Hall of Famers on a back to back on Friday. Then you gotta go out and play against a team that probably a lot of fans showed up yesterday, didn't know who any of those guys were on the other team. Um, but we found a way each night. So it's really, really encouraging weekend. I was encouraged by Miles's play, and we'll start defensively here. Normally, when you have a guy go over 30, it's not like anybody's handing out you know, defensive accolades, but I thought it was a fantastic performance from from two standpoints. One is it felt like that was the first time in forever where, where Miles felt 
like he was just going to play tough physical D and not feel like that he has to, you know, stop everything, right? Or or stop Embiid because nobody's going to stop Joel Embiid. And they didn't, but they made it manageable. And the other thing was, I don't know if this was a, a concentrated effort by your guys, but it felt like they tried to make the entry pass from to Embiid um, as difficult as possible. Were those two things you guys looked at in that matchup on Thursday defensively that ultimately helped you out? Yes, our coaches you know, devised a, a really effective game plan, I felt, versus Embiid on Thursday. And Miles you know, had to go out and execute, as did the other guys. But t- players like that, as you know, you're going to give up 25, 30 points regularly to those guys. You just got to make it difficult for them. They got to be difficult points for them to get. And you can't let, you know, a guy having an 8-0 run on his own really bother you, impact your effort or your belief that you can eventually try to wear the guy down. And now, granted, they weren't completely healthy, you know, on Thursday. They were missing, you know, a couple guys. But, you know, I think Miles was really active from the very beginning of that game. I don't know if you remember the first couple of possessions. He was really, you could tell he was trying to take on the challenge that night because Embiid's, obviously, he's a beast. I mean, he's, he's, he's a lot of work to try to defend, and it takes everybody um, but Miles did a really good job of being active and just trying to make things hard for him. And he still got his points, but I felt like he, he really had to work for all those points. And credit to Miles because he's, he's a very, very difficult cover. He's uh, Chad Buchanan, the general manager of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Tyrese Halliburton had the quote after practice today, the plan is to play tomorrow for me. Is that your plan as well? Do you expect him to be participating in Boston tomorrow night? He went through practice today, and things went pretty well. I think we'll see how he feels tomorrow. Optimistic that if everything you know goes well and he wakes up, feels okay, and the medical staff, everybody is aligned that you know we'll have him you know give it a, give it a go tomorrow. So, uh, but a lot can happen in 24 hours. Never never know until you know you wake up and see how you feel after a workout. Uh, but he's he's been trending in a, in a good direction for us. He's not going to go home and work a jackhammer or anything. What do you expect him to be doing here between now and tomorrow? Come on. You just never know what the human body does overnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's one of the main reasons why I asked, because I've been quite jealous recently, because the head coach, Rick Carlisle, goes on every Tuesday with Kevin and Andy in the morning and breaks news, and then Miles broke some news to Jake in the afternoon today, and I'm just waiting for a little bit of the share of the breaking news here, because what's going to happen is you're going to say, well, as long as everything goes okay, Halliburton's going to play, and then Rick's going to go on in the morning and say, yep, he's going to play so you got to help me out here what do you got you got any uh any good breaking info for me i think our our plane was like 15 minutes delayed for boston is that breaking news for you <laughs> why is it no <laughs> only only if all i got only if it's because they're waiting on you to finish up with this interview with me <laughs> that's not the case i'm not that important john <laughs> that does not that help would they would they leave you behind if you weren't on the plane Heck yeah, they would. Heck yeah. It's, they, they don't wait for anybody on that plane. <laughs> uh, Chad Buchanan joins us. Uh, what's the uh, deal with the TJ? I don't want to, I mean, it was a personal situation. What's the expectation for TJ tomorrow? Yeah, I think TJ will be back with us uh, tomorrow. He just had something uh, to deal with family-wise, and all is good there, and uh, he'll be back with us playing tomorrow. All right, so we're approaching, what, uh, two weeks away, something like that, the NBA trade deadline. Are are you guys on the phone? The phone's ringing. How are you approaching this thing? Well, we've had a pretty active month before that we got to, uh, you know, the trade with, with Pascal. And, you know, this, this time of year, when you, when you make a major change like that, you don't want to 
get too anxious to do a bunch of stuff. You know, that was a pretty big jolt to our team, adding Pascal. And uh, we're excited about his addition, obviously, and we're kind of excited about some of the young guys, where they're growing with their development. And we're not in a big rush to try to totally revamp the roster because we, we've seen some good things from this group. And, you know, if we get calls on deals that are, you know, make sense for us and help the team be better, you know, we're obviously going to listen, but we're not being super active at this point, John, on on doing anything else because this is this was a pretty big change as is. I I maintain this, and I said I'd be cool. Well, actually, tool reasons. I'll give you the second reason in a second, but I, I just don't think, to me, at least, I feel like I haven't seen enough of all these guys playing together. It's like we're enticed, and there's been an appetizer, but you have yet to see consistently at all the main course. Is that how you feel, and is there going to be enough time to see these guys all together to make any sort of judgment prior to the trade deadline? Yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to have enough window probably to really know your team now that you've added Pascal. It, you know, some teams take – you know, you look at the Timberwolves, it took them really a year to get adjusted to the major move they made, and they're thriving right now. So it, it, Tyrese obviously is a, is a guy that makes everybody feel comfortable pretty quickly, so I think we'll know fairly quickly on the fit uh, with everything. And uh, But I, I think we've got to give this team some time to, to play together and, and grow together, and you're never probably going to get all the pieces on the court at the same time in an 82-game NBA season. Guys go down and – um, but I think we'll have enough feel um, once we get Ty back out there and what it looks like. And like I said, we're really optimistic about what that could be. Do you feel any any haste whatsoever considering the expiring contracts you have on this team? Does that factor in prior to the trade deadline for you at all? Not really. I think you got to also look at where can this team right now be? You know, obviously as, as a front office, it's our job to look long-term, but you also don't want to kick aside what's right in front of you. If if you like this group has good chemistry and the pieces fit together and um, guys are improving, you know, why, why, why make a change to that group just for, you know, a, a small asset that you may get in return that really isn't going to help you in the long run. Um, you know, we do have a couple guys that are in the last year of their contract that, um, we, we haven't ruled out for them being here long term, and so to to move a guy just because in their last year, and you're not sure if you're going to retain them, you know, when they're helping your team right now, I don't want to diminish the chances of this group. I don't think any of us do of the diminished chance of this group doing something special the rest of this season. Yeah, noting that my opinion uh, has no weight whatsoever. I I want to stay. I kind of interested in seeing what you have. You have a really, to me, well put together, enjoyable, fun loving, joyful type of team that you haven't seen enough yet. So, I'd be cool if nothing were done. Joyful is a great word. That that is that is our team to a T. You you watch. I've always felt like you can tell how good a team is, how connected a team is by watching the bench during a game. Exactly. If you watch our bench last night was a great example. Ben Matherin has a transition dunk and the, the reaction of our bench was just, it's just straight joy. And coach Carlisle and his staff have instilled just a culture of joy. And obviously Ty brings that every day. And I mean, you watch Ty during the game, you could not watch the basketball game at all and just watch Ty on the bench. And it just brings a smile to your face. Cause you can tell he just loves being around the game. He loves being around his teammates Loves being around our fans, and it's just—it's a—it's a great vibe with this group, and we got to be very careful to to, to disrupt that because we got some good vibes going, like you say. Hey, Chad, it, you see all the time. You, you get guys on the bench, especially if they're not participating, absolutely disengaged, 
and to a man on your bench, they all stay engaged with what's going on play after play. And that's that's really hard. Chemistry-wise, that would seem to be very difficult to come up with at that level. No doubt, because all those guys want to be on the court playing. You know, they're, they're all good enough to play. We have a team that's got – you know, several young guys who aren't getting a lot of opportunity, and but they look out there and they see, you know, the guy in front of them is playing really well. So they understand, like, hey, I've got to, I've got to continue, you know, biding my time. I got to work on my development as, as a player, and but in the meantime, I'm going to support the guy in front of me and, and the rest of the guys. And I think the culture that's been established, like I said, by our coaches is just it's it's fantastic. And we got veterans like James Johnson, you know, who's very rarely sees the court and he has major, major impact on the culture and just the mood of this team. And everybody's kind of bought into their role and they're all being a star in their role right now. And uh, obviously we're going to hit some tough patches here. You know, we've, we've made it through, you know, we're almost done with January, which was a brutal schedule for us um, before we tie went down. And we've managed to survive and navigate that schedule. And now we've just got to continue to grow. Um, we can't be content with you know where we're at, and continue to try to climb as much as we can, both you know as players and as a team, and up to standings as much as we can at this point. He is Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan. Uh, the plane is waiting on him right now. I'm a lie and just say that it is, but I know it's not. Uh, the plane is waiting on him right now to go to Boston. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned James Johnson. What what does he do? We see what he does from the sideline during the game, how engaged he is, but some of the things he does when the cameras aren't on and we're not watching behind the scenes for this team. You know, there's lots of conversations that James will have that have nothing to do with basketball. You know, we have a couple of young players on this team who, who look up to him because of his experience and just his personality. And he can give guidance on how to navigate you know, different things that they're dealing with off the court. And he obviously provides a lot of experience and, you know, words of wisdom on the court, during the bench, during practice, on the plane ride, um, at dinners. He's he's like a he's like an extension of Coach Carlisle's staff. You know he understands what coach is looking for, not only with the team but with each individual player. And you know there's times where, you know, as a front office, we'll talk to James about, hey, you know we really need you know to get this message across to this player, or can you help with this? And James is already like, I've already done that. I, I know what you're saying. I, I see it too. I've already worked on that. I mean he he's thinking from a perspective of how I impact this team without ever stepping foot on the court. And he's embraced that and tremendous, tremendous uh, guy to have in your team. And this team is really follows his lead in a lot of ways. And it's made me and I think Kevin and Kelly and Ted and all of us appreciate the impact of a guy who never really contributes on the court of what that can do to your team when they have the right mindset like James has. So he's been phenomenal for us, both last year and this year. Yeah, until recently, Chad, the playing time has certainly escalated for Ben. And, you know, Jarris is, is still obviously he has, but he hasn't. How do you look at the uh, the rookies, the first-round picks, and what they have done to this point in the season from what you've seen? It's really dangerous to evaluate a guy too early, uh, especially when they're as young as Jarris, for example. Um, obviously, you got you got players in front of him that are playing well. That you know, as a coach, you're gonna you're not gonna disrupt the rotation just to disrupt it. Um, you know, and, and Jarris has got to kind of go through the the growing pains. Every player's journey is different. You know, how you get to where you're at. Pascal's a great example. Pascal 
spent a lot of time his first two years in the NBA playing the G League. And we've had Pascal talk to, to Jairus about his journey. And um, I think Jairus is, in, you know, understanding like, hey, this is, this is a business. And I've got to focus on my development and do what's best, you know, to help me be in position to play long term. And maybe a little short-term, you know, adversity and struggles is part of my journey, and I've got to embrace that. Uh, but his time playing with the Mad Ants, he's had some spectacular games for us. Uh, he's shooting the ball much better than I think any of us anticipated when we drafted him. It's been a major strength of his game for us so far. And with that component, you know, being what it is, we, we see more versatility in him, maybe playing some four, playing some three, um, which, you know, only adds his, his value to us long term. And still very, very hopeful about his future. And Ben Shepard, obviously, you see what he does on the floor. He's, he's just a, a bundle of energy every second he's out there. Um, and he, you know, he's, he provides, you know, a spark for us on a night like yesterday when, uh, it's just not a lot of energy on the court. He's coming out there and he injects a little life into your team. So, um, encouraged about both those guys. Obviously they're going through some growing pains as young players like they all do, but still encouraged by both of those and excited about their long-term future with us. Hey, Chad, a couple more things before I let you go. The Pacers general manager on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Did you have to feel fairly, if not close to completely confident that Siakam would return, would be here long-term for you guys to finally pull the trigger on that deal? I mean, yeah, we, we made a trade for an upcoming free agent. you got to you know, have some optimism that you're going to be able to be a long-term relationship. And I think, you know, when we looked at his game and his fit with us and, um, you know, since he's been here, I think he's been very, very happy. And uh, it's been what he had hoped it would be. And I think he's been what we hoped he would be. And it feels like a, a natural partnership. So um, nothing's ever 100% certain, obviously. But um, I don't think we would have made a trade with the intention of playing a guy for 40 games and, um, you know, not trying to bring him back for a long-term uh, relationship. Hey, Chris Denary's listening to us right now. Were you aware of this? <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> CD's everywhere. He is everywhere, no doubt about it. Hey, by the way, too, I want to go back to the, the Obi Toppin thing. Uh, and my mom's 79 and, and watches every game from Greene County and says, uh, I'm supposed to tell you that, She'll, she's going to be really mad if you trade Obi Tappen. All right, so do not trade Obi Tappen. I said, well, it's Tappen, but yes, yeah, I'll tell him. So I want to make my, sure you are aware of this. My seven-year-old son would be in the same boat as her. So <laughs> she loves Obi. You know what? And it's it's beyond his play on the floor. I, I mentioned joyful a little bit earlier. He's at the top of that list of, of being joyful. And, you know, I watched a lot of those Knicks games last year and it, it did not translate to the level in which we see him here. Yeah. He, he has been um, joyful as, an, as another way to describe him is exactly right. He, he's really taken advantage of an opportunity of the way he likes to play, you know, his strengths really fit our system and, that's what we kind of hoped would happen, and it's played out that way. Obviously, now you got Pascal coming in and you know supplanting him from the starting lineup, and he's embraced it. You know, he's comes in here with a great attitude every day, uh, easy smile, easy laugh. You know, just loves being around our team, and um, he's just one of the many guys who brings the the joyful you know trait to this group. And I'm um, really happy to see him have a success. Cause, you know, he was he was struggling you know at the end of his time there in New York, and. Um, obviously, they had a great team, and it just wasn't maybe the right fit at the right moment for him. And 
this feels like a, a really good fit for him here with us. Hey, before I let you go, too, Daenerys says that they just gave a boarding call, whereas Jeremiah Johnson said, yeah, let's just go ahead and go, and if Buchanan's not here, leave him. So I'll, I'll just hop in my car. I'll, I'll meet them in Boston. I'll drive there today. <laughs> hey, man, I always like talking to you. I do. Hey, if you guys got any pickup games ever going on up in Westfield, I'm going to be upset if I don't ever get an invitation. Cause I, John, I, I'm, I'm trying not to rupture my Achilles or anything oh. like that. So I, I, if, if I play, if I, if I get a, a tea time this summer, I'll have you join me for some golf. Squirt some that? biofreeze on whatever area pains you and let's go. All right, let's do it. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get lit up by you either. So. Well, you're not going to get lit up by me. <laughs> so, but you're going to have some fun. I thought maybe you're up there in that whole Westfield scene up there and playing pickup games. You're not? Five o'clock you know, in the morning? All I do is I, I work out my oldest son every now and then. I get my butt kicked by him. So I've kind of retired a little bit from the five on five. He's a player, from what they say. Player. He's had a good senior year. Hopefully, they, uh, you know, Westfield's had a good year. Hopefully, it finishes out on a good note for him. Hey, one of these days, too, if you guys still have a copy of that uh, offer sheet of a couple of summers ago, I'd love to put that in the frame on my wall. You guys still got a copy of that somewhere? <laughs> it's around here somewhere. I can dig that up. That'd be awesome. I'd love to frame that up on the wall, please. <laughs> and by the way, hey, thanks for the jersey, man. That was awesome. And I, I, got it, I understand that you get it. And uh, that was really awesome. Thanks for playing along with it. You bet, man. I appreciate all your support, and I know you love the game of basketball as much as we do, so I appreciate it all. You got it. Chad, safe travels, man. Thanks, John. Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager. I want want that eight and offer sheet, a copy of that. I'm going to put that in a frame on my wall. Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Am I way over here, James? James says I'm way over. Let me take a break. We'll come back, and we'll dissect a little bit what he had to say, get into James Boyd after 4 o'clock as well. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Chad Buchanan, general manager of Pacers. Expectation is from Tyrese Halliburton. He returns to the court tomorrow night. TNT game, of course. I'm assuming that this is also Bally. I only watch Bally. If it's on TNT, that's great, but still do my guys at Bally. Coming up tomorrow, Miles Turner missed yesterday against Memphis with uh, back pain. He is uh, expecting, as he told uh, Jake Query of Query and Company, I know you guys all heard that today, a little bit earlier this afternoon. He told Jake that, that he's uh, planning on his return tomorrow. And then Chad Buchanan, because I felt a little bit left out with last week and the Halliburton breaking news on uh, KB and Andy, or Sweebo, in the morning from 7 until 10 a.m. And then Jake got the Miles news today. Um, I felt a little bit left out. I was a little bit jealous, as I've talked about. And uh, Chad Buchanan, the breaking news he gave me was that the plane was running about 15 minutes late today. 
So that's what I got. I got that one. Is that a good enough nugget? Can you put that on the uh, front page of 1075thefan.com on our website? Oh, absolutely. Is that front page worthy? Uh, by the way, though, he says he has a copy of the eight and offer sheet laying around someplace. I want that. I want that in a frame. Want it. <laughs> you know, honestly, it is refreshing to talk to folks that have their finger on the pulse, that make the decisions, and can be cool, right? And not stuffy and tight-assed and tired. And I love those conversations. Those are the best. Uh, podcast 1075thefan.com. I don't know about the basketball thing, though. You got to get up. You got to put some biofreeze or absorbing junior on it or something and go. I would play golf, but I always just, I get to drink in, and then I really play well. I played I played half in the bag once at the Brickyard with Brad Stevens, and and I, I think he was thinking, like, after the first nine, we go to the back nine, and he's going, well, I don't know about this, but I got better as we went along. Amazing. But we're going to see if we can't get Buchanan back out there to play a little bit. Again, 1075thefan.com. Stephen Holder's going to join us. That is uh, in uh, the 5 o'clock hour. Third Eye Blind, is that who you said? That's Stephen Jenkins and Third Eye Blind tickets we have to give away. I'll play a song. We have Third Eye Blind re-entry, and uh, number nine, sometime in this show, will be a winner. I've tried Tiger Balm. I, I would probably say the one that really works Jason, the one that really works, but nobody ever wants to put him on there. You guys remember Kramer Jesus? It would physically burn you. Kramer, and I've I've been I've tried everything. I told David Wood and James Conner at lunch today. I said I have uh, uh, ingested, injected, rubbed on, and inserted absolutely anything I could. To be as pain-free as possible. So I have tried Tiger Balm, but Kramer Jesus was always, you go back with Kramer Jesus in the 80s and the 90s, that got to the root of the, with an inferno of heat. It got to the root with an inferno. That would be the greatest of all time. Now I probably just go ahead and rock with BioFreeze. All right, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline from The Athletic. He does the Colts. I think he's even doing the Pacers right now. So we knew this. We knew he was a dribble, uh, double, I should say, and a triple threat with whatever he does. Also doing the radio, as he normally does with us, at a fantastically high level. James Boyd joins us. James, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for the shout-out. I love floating around Indy and just trying to capture the moments, man. Yeah, it's good, too, because, I mean, you can do it writing-wise. I mean, you, you just slide right in from one sport to the other, which, by the way, many people would say, well, it's just sports. How hard can it be? It is incredibly difficult. And then, you know, when you go ahead and make that translate to radio, it's even better. So job well done. Much appreciated. You know, I'm just uh, 
saying yes, and then you mess up a ton, and then you get better, and then things work out. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Um, I thought I was talking to Chad Buchanan a moment ago. I know we've been covering the Pacers, but I thought this was this was a signature weekend of games. One that if things go the way that they believe and we think it could. It'll be a weekend that we remember throughout the season as maybe that turning point. You agree? I do think so. I think they were trying to find their rhythm without having practiced. But once they got the practice in there, you saw like this light bulb kind of go off with the team. But they felt more comfortable with Pascal Siakam. And then obviously they went out there and just got some wins. Because at this point, we know the Pacers are a good team. It's just that unlike last year, they're not bottoming out, you know, without Tyrese Halliburton. They're treading water. They're winning. And so that helps, you know, like you said, coming later in the year when you need those wins to, you know, worry about seeding and things like that. So I'm excited to see what they do next. Obviously, Halliburton being back tomorrow night will be fantastic. But, um, again, you saw some life after the trade and then the practice was huge. Yeah, no doubt about that. So, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton expected to be back tomorrow night. Uh, Miles told Query and Company today between noon and three that he's expected to be back tonight. I, When I was talking a little bit earlier, I, I don't expect them to make any moves. And I asked specifically, Chad, do these one-year deals – you know, give you a haste of a concern to make deals to do something at the trade deadline, and he says no. What do you think? I agree with him. I think that sometimes you can feel like you have to make a move just to make a move, but I think for the most part you just have to be cognizant of what you've done in the past. I and mean, The Pacers have done a really good job of not just jumping on the first thing and being very – tactful of what they've done and so far it's worked out very well for them you know obviously I thought one of the most interesting things that Rick Carlisle pointed out which is again no secret he told us last week the Siakam trade doesn't happen without the Halliburton trade and so for your next move you can't just think oh we have to do it right now you might have to be a little more patient just because who knows a year from now you might look up and say hey they added this person who wouldn't have been there had Siakam not come so you have to be patient with those things I guess not too patient, you want to always be looking, but again, not just rushing out there making a move and then kind of setting yourself back from all the good work that you've already done. You know, it's funny, too, and James Boyd of The Athletic joins us, a little Colts conversation later on, NFL-wise, too, and then talking Pacers right now, you know, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. But I, I look at it this way, and I thought Chad was right on this. You had three distinctly different games and performances really all the way around, which I felt showed the dynamic in which this team is capable of of winning because those three games, Philly, Phoenix, and then Memphis, were all different in their own way and all wins. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me after those games is just who stepped up and went. You know, yesterday it was Benedict Matherin. When I was there on Friday night when Devin Booker went off, it was Aaron Neesmith who got the stop on him at the end. Obviously, Pascal Siakam played well. You know, there's just been moments where I feel like after the few games that I did cover last week in person, I could go three different directions with my post-game story. I can go talk to Andrew Nimhar. I can go talk to Ben Shepard because there's always that little bit of, you know, just, okay, this guy had it going this day. This guy had it going on this day. And so, obviously, you expect Tyrese and Pascal Siakam and Miles Turner to be your three main guys. But but if the other guys gain confidence throughout this season, throughout these games, then I, I think that makes you more dangerous come playoff time because you can trust what you put in. You can trust, you know, these guys to be there when it matters the most. 
James Boyd of The Athletic covers the Pacers, obviously the Colts. We'll get into some things in a second, obviously, uh, about the Senior Bowl, which is something that uh, Chris Ballard loves. I want to get to that in a second. But this schedule, you'll Philly, Phoenix, and Memphis, those are wins. Boston tomorrow night on TNT. At New York, Julius Randle. It's going to be weeks and not months for him to be out, but I'm assuming not going to play on Thursday at Madison Square Garden. And then back at home against Sacramento on Friday, things don't ease up whatsoever. Your, your thoughts on the matchup starting tomorrow night in Boston and then those other two games in the remainder of this week? Yeah, I think the Boston matchup is a good one, obviously, because I think that's a measuring stick for where you are, not only in the East, but just in the NBA period, because they play some of the best basketball, I believe, in the league. I, they were my pick to win it all at the beginning of the season. I thought that adding Drew Holiday, Christos Porzingis, who I believe might be out right now, those pieces might have put them over the top. And so I would expect, you know, to see the value of Pascal Siakam in a game like tomorrow's where you had that long wing. Okay, what can you do to kind of slow down Jason Tatum? What can you do to kind of slow down uh, Jalen Bryan? And what can you do on the other end to make those guys work in defense? So that'll be huge. And then you look at some of the other games in the week. The New York game is one that's interesting because they played really high-level basketball, but then Julius Randle goes down. I give a ton of credit to, you know, Jalen Brunson, who's played outstanding basketball. And we know the the Wally Zerbiak feud, I guess, between, you know, Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Halliburton. So that's a head-to-head matchup I'm looking forward to. Both are playing great basketball. And I would argue that Jalen Brunson should have been a starter in the All-Star game over Damian Lillard next to Halliburton. And then obviously to close out the week, the Kings game, which I'll be going to, I think it'll be a good chance to see again, what did that initial trade do for both teams? Because, you know, we see the Kings, they had a great season last year, pushed the Warriors to the brink. This year, the campaign has stepped back a little bit. All, two, still have two all-NBA caliber players. And the Pacers have two all-NBA caliber players in their own now. So I'm excited for all these matchups. And I think, at least when I left Friday night after that home game, after that home win against Devin Booker and the Suns, it was so loud in there, sold out. It sounded like a playoff game, and I was thinking to myself, okay, this is what it must have felt like when things were going pretty good about a decade ago with Paul George. Hey, what do you think about what, – what's your expectation? I mentioned this. When they got Siakam, I raised the bar on expectations, and then obviously Tyrese Halliburton missed all this time. And, you know, we viewed this month as doom and gloom with the number of games Halliburton has missed, but they come out of this certainly most recently looking really good. Where do you raise the bar with this group now moving forward? I came into the season thinking before the trade, okay, this team is a – first-round exit team. They're going to make you work. You're going to have to defend well. They might win two games, even push you a little bit. I think this team now, with the addition of Siakam, given his experience, is obviously winning a championship, being a high-level player himself, and just the way he fits into this team and what he brings to the modern NBA as being that long wing. I look at them now as a team that should win a round in the playoffs and can win a round in the playoffs. Now, obviously, we have to see more of what they look like when they're all together. Halliburton coming back tomorrow night, excited for that. And obviously, I'm hoping they all stay healthy as well so we get a really good sample size of them. But I think this team will be disappointed to just make the playoffs and get that bounced out. I think, they, I think they have a real shot to make someone nervous, win a round, and then see what happens from there. It's, uh, James Boyd of The Athletic also obviously covers the Colts' senior bowl 
is coming up later on this week, and this is something that uh, Chris Ballard, obviously the Colts general manager, holds in high value. What's your expectation? What are you looking for in in covering this in, in thoughts on what Chris Ballard could try to hard target down in Mobile? Yes, yeah, so I'm not making the trip this year, unfortunately, but I would, uh, you know, I, I look at it like this. We talk about where should we go, expenses, things like that, business side of these things. But just so everyone know, it's not that I turned the trip down. It's just we thought it was better to you know, look at other things for this season. But I will say I, I will keep a close eye on whatever's coming out of the mobile, reading about it. You know, a bunch of buddies gone there as well. And I think for Chris, a lot of it is just trying to find maybe that person that was overlooked, which is what he's done in years past with so many players. And I look at some of these areas on this team where, you know, who's to say they can't find another linebacker? Who's to say they can't find another tight end? Um, who's to say they can't find another cornerback? Somebody who can help them. And so I look at this as a chance to maybe you're not adding, you know, uh, a day one starter to your roster. But if you look at their track record, they get guys who come in, who work hard, who develop, and then they become guys later on in the career. And so when you're trying to build a team around Anthony Richardson, obviously next year is a huge one. You want to try to build as fast as you can within this rookie contract, but it helps to have other guys as well developing behind him to help this team kind of firmly enter a new era. So I'm excited. I think for me, a lot of the biggest things I'm looking at at JMB is the defense. What can you add? What can you find down there, Mobile possibly, to help you with this defense that – I believe was 29th in scoring defense for the second straight year. Yeah, I mean, they, and they go ahead and let go their defensive line coach and um, you know safeties coach, secondary guy, and, and Mike Mitchell as well. What's the dynamic behind that? Is is the belief in in Gus Bradley to move forward next year, but also doing some rearranging um, and with what you said in mind because it's a defense that absolutely has to improve, and certainly in the big moment moments you saw how much worse it could be yeah this is a question I would love to ask Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen honestly and I was a bit surprised with the Nate Ali departure and I'm just curious to know okay was it more so his decision or somebody else's because obviously the defensive line although they didn't get enough pressure as you still would like in some of the numbers uh, just based off of Gus Bradley not not blitzing a ton so maybe you know, uh, these guys didn't have the help up front that they might have needed to generate more pressure. However, they did have an Indianapolis record, you know, 51 sacks. And so I don't think you look back on the season and say they had a terrible defensive line performance. But um, I'm curious to know, okay, what led to this decision? Because Nate Ali was a guy who was respected by, you know, pretty much I thought everyone in the building, and I'm sure that's probably still the case, the players, the defensive line loved them. And so I'm just wondering what changed there. And then Mike Mitchell, um, I don't know. What happened, I do understand this maybe a little bit more because of the explosive play they gave up in the secondary. Something has to change, and maybe that starts with some of your personnel, some of the people who are teaching your players where to be and how to be, you know, right positions. But I do wonder if, you know, this was just something that had to happen to say we're not going to be the same. Maybe we have some of the same philosophies or the same principles, but we have to tweak some things here and there to get to where we want to go. So, um I'll be asking Chris Ballard that very soon next time I see him. Um, I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know, thrilled to answer it, but it has. it's a question that has to be asked for sure. Did uh, that that tweet regarding you know, the hit on Michael Pittman Jr. you think have any bearing whatsoever or was the writing on the wall, the, uh, wall from Mitchell with all that in mind? I'm not sure, 
but I will say this, it probably didn't help. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. when it came out, I thought it was kind of bizarre, just considering how seriously um, hurt that Pittman could have been. And he really was after we found out that he was, you know, couldn't remember where he was and was a late scratch, all those things. I just felt like time and place was the biggest thing in that. Like, was he wrong in his feeling about, you know, how the game has changed? Maybe not. However, you know, you as the former Steeler can't come out immediately and defend the Steeler who hurt your current, you know, wide receiver with your current team with the Colts. And so um, I just imagine that, you know, firing off that tweet did not help the situation at all. And then it just makes you part of the conversation when you weren't going to be anyways. We were going to ask Gus Bradley and Shane Sykin about that hit. And even, you know, Jim Bob Cooter as an offensive mind, but I think with Mike Mitchell, we don't speak to you regularly anyway. So now when you say something like that, we don't have a chance to follow up with you for you to clear up anything. Once it gets on Twitter, man, it takes a life of its own. I've made mistakes that same way, tweeting stuff I shouldn't have, and I think it just didn't help the situation at all. Yeah, I remember that time when I uh, I sent out a tweet calling Adam Schefter a douchebag, and that didn't go over well for me here with ESPN. So that was a good one. That was one of my best right there. Those moments when I got black <laughs> when I got blackballed by ESPN on Radio Row during the Super Bowl at the JW Marriott. That was not that was not something I needed to put on the resume. It wasn't a badge of honor by any stretch. So I know what you're talking about too. I, it could be this though. It could be maybe he knew that again the writing was on the wall and just kind of felt empowered because of that too i guess that could play a role perhaps but even then i'm like you're in the middle of a playoff push trying to get to the playoffs trying to make something of what could have been a terrible season you know be even a better season and then that becomes a distraction and then just thinking about shane steichen's first year overall how many distractions jmb did he deal with throughout the season i mean it started with the jt stuff we had the grover stewart suspension even before all that, he was answering for why they, you know, Rogers, you know, or, or things going on with the gambling and stuff like that. And so that was another thing thrown onto his plate that just didn't need to be there throughout what ended up being still a very good season. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, too. When Dan Campbell was talking after that loss and he talked about how more how much more difficult it was going to be next year and how that was a missed opportunity on a much lower level that's exactly how i felt and what i talked about after the colts lost at home to houston in that final reg of the season weekend is just a mammoth missed opportunity that you have because you are promised nothing whether you're the lions and you're the feel-good story of the postseason until yesterday or the colts just trying to punch your ticket and be a better team you're not promised anything you have to take advantage of those moments much like we saw the lions unfortunately melt down in the second half last night yeah the game is the game man i think about this so much when i'm writing because if you think about just certain plays here or there, they change history sometimes. That sounds dramatic, but it's true. You know, if the Brandon Ayuk, you know, dropped interception reception that he had doesn't happen, if the you know Detroit player picks that off, then we're talking about, oh, my gosh, Detroit, what a magical run. They, they kept it going. And the 49ers, do they have to reevaluate who their quarterback is because Brock Purdy threw this terrible interception – this morning it was all about how great Brock Purdy is, and he played a great game, but it just reminds you of how, you know, uh, cruel the game can be. And one of the things I saw on Twitter last night that made me laugh was um, someone tweeted something like, we saw God, uh, you know, ch- switch his jersey in real time. That's what it felt like. And so, um, you know, I-, I love this game. I love covering sports because of that. 
But it can be cruel, man. It can very much humble you. I think Kenny Moore tweeted that yesterday. The game will always humble you. And sometimes, you know, it's just cruel. There's no rhyme or reason for it. One bounce here or there, and you're the victor or you're the loser. And that's how it goes. Man, there's there were there were some, at least in my mind, maybe it was because it was a loss in both circumstances. But there were some, to me, similarities on how the game went down for the Colts in, in Baltimore. Maybe it's because it was improbable. Many felt Kansas City going in was going to be improbable. But that game yesterday and what I thought about with the Colts coming out with that win earlier this season, I mean, you, you talk about just kind of letting everything down and not being what you were for most of that season. Both of those are examples of who Baltimore was not again for the most part, in the other games this year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, watching them, I was just waiting for that breakthrough moment. It felt like that with the Zay Flowers touchdown early. And then you just saw a bunch of immaturity, I felt like. You know, Travis Kelsey baited them into some unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. You have the guy who hit Patrick Mahomes, who everyone knows you can't touch. He's the new era or the new age Tom Brady. You can't hit him. So that you, don't do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, or at least don't do it so egregiously. And then you have Zay Flowers, who I felt like when he had the ball punched out at the one-yard line, the fumble in the end zone, that was the game. Because at that point, you know, you score, it's 17-14, it's 15 minutes left in the game, 14 minutes, whatever it is, and you have all the momentum, or you took the momentum back. After that, that was like just a gut punch. Because the defense showed up, but that offense did not look good, and you know, you look at some of the things that happened over the weekend, and you just, you just know that certain guys are going to get a ton of criticism. You know, for the, the Ravens, it's Lamar Jackson. For the Lions, it's Dan Campbell. But um, that's the game. And I joke with some of my friends and family about it, and it's like, I don't know what the players and coaches do. Do you go home and, like, you know, look at your wife or look at your bank account and say, oh, well, life's not too bad? Or, or how do you get over something like that? Because I know as competitors, it's things. Yeah, you, you, just, you think, like Philadelphia last year, I agree. You made it to the Super Bowl. It was close. You lost. But then look how the season evolved or devolved in this case for them, yeah. you know, going into the postseason. And, you know, if, if you're a Lions fan, you're probably thinking, yeah, maybe we lose our offensive coordinator out of this too. And you're just kind of thinking the worst because it is that stinking difficult to get back to. That's why you got to take advantage of a 17 point lead, you know, on the road in the second half. And you got to take advantage of a home date against Houston, even if you have a backup quarterback and things do look bright. You got to take advantage of the moment. Absolutely. I felt the same way when the Colts this season ended. And I know everyone is excited for next season, and they should be. It should be an opportunity to take another step forward, but there is no guarantee. Because when we look at what Jacksonville was able to do in 2022, making the playoffs, obviously they had that, you know, um, you know, I believe it was the crazy comeback and all that. You think, oh, man, this 2023 is their season. And early on, it looked like that, and they, they bottomed out. And then you look at what Houston did this year, you're like, oh, CJ Stroud, man, it, everything is going looking up. There's no guarantee that next season he comes back and leads them to the playoffs. And so I think Shane Steichen and his truly – just non-cliche way so that every season is different. And so you want to build on what you've, you, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of developed for your team. However, you can't just hang your hat on that and just assume that you're going to be back there because you're not some cases. I mean, my dad tells me all the time when I bring this stuff up. He's like, man, everyone thought Dan Marino was going to get back. It never happened. And so you think about that with Philly and other teams. And so obviously the Colts aren't in that position just yet. You know, worrying about, do we get back? Can we get there? Right now, just get healthy. 
make it interesting next year. And hopefully, in my, I guess my own personal selfishness, I would like to cover a playoff game next year. So, Anthony Richardson, if you're listening, you know, that would not be something I would be against. Put it like that. <laughs> so, James Boyd of The Athletic covering both the Colts and the Pacers. And what are you writing about next before I let you go here? I'm actually writing right now about tight ends. Um, everyone's asking about Brock, about Brock Purdy. Not, not Brock Purdy, Brock Bowers. Um, obviously, I'm giving you an update here, I believe, this week on Jelani Woods, what's going on with him, why he missed the entire year. Um, some of that stuff's already out there, but it's just taking a look at what are the Colts' options when it comes to that position. I'll have some other things coming out, too. Um, stay tuned. I'm working on this big Shane Steichen piece that I've reached out to people about and trying to crack the code of who this guy really is. It's a fun one, and so I'm excited about that. And like I said, I'll be doing some Pacers coverage here or there. So for me, my offseason is like basically my recess. I get to just float around, do more of what I probably want to do, um, and enjoy myself with uh, the sports here in Indy. The Shane Steichen piece, I'm assuming, is one of about 2,000 words. And what, Shane, give you about seven? I was going to say it might be about eight, you know, <laughs> uh, over under an eight and a half, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's the, that's the joy of being a reporter is when you do have those people who don't talk about themselves or have all the money quotes like Reggie Wayne, it forces you to really do your job, be better at your job, and go talk to people who might know a little bit more. And so I've enjoyed that excursion so far. It hasn't been easy, but I promise you when you see the story, there'll be some gems in there that'll make you uh, smile. I love it. All right, James, always a pleasure, man. Always good to run into you. We'll see you again soon, I'm sure. All right, sounds good, man. You have a good one. James Boyd of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I got time for you and me. You want to do some uh, you and me in on the other side of 239-1070? You guys feel it? Any Sycamore fans out there that want to drop some love? Ooh, it looked tight at the end, didn't it? Oh, they got a screwball call. <laughs> Survive that. Good Lord. Get into overtime, though, and knock down shot after shot. That's good. And it did my heart good to see the Holman Center that lit up, that fired up. There is nothing. The joy of basketball, especially basketball winning, is just incredible. Seriously, you see the joy at the Holman Center that you just haven't seen in a long time. That's got to do everybody good. Now, I'm assuming here, right, since I talk about it, you guys are all with me on this. You guys are all, how do they put it, Team Sycamore? You guys are all on board with the Sycamores? Just like you were all on board last year with uh, Dusty May in Florida Atlantic with me? Oh, that was great to see. Man, when I was there... <laughs> Good guys, though, when I was there. Tater Tots Lock was coaching them up. Yeah, this is drastically different right here. Uh, Good for them. Yeah, midweek Belmont and then Saturday Drake. Tucker DeVries is the guy's name I couldn't think of. My man looks like he's about 35 years old. Tucker DeVries. Good player, though. Good player. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. I got room for you guys at 239-1070 on the other side. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Third eye blind. Yeah, the doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot. That third eye blind. Sometimes they get mixed up a little bit with three doors down. Three doors down is different than third eye blind. 
Got tickets for Third Eye Blind coming up when you hear a Third Eye Blind re-entry. So don't go anywhere. Stay right here inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Ninety-three-five and one zero seven five. The fan. James over there. My name is John. Thank you for joining us. Back nine on Thursday. That's with Michelob Ultra. NBA Jam's going to be with me. Your chance. I got to change that up, dude. I cannot wait to see you out there, Michelob Ultra. And NBA Jam for those shoes, those Nike Air shoes, the court sides. Courtesy of Michelob Ultra for the high score. And then the high scorer advances to the finals coming up here in the not-so-distant future. That's going to be at Brothers Downtown, where you can win the game, the NBA Jam game, and then win tickets to really nearly everything around here. Thank you, Michelob Ultra. And thank you, Zank, again Thursday at the back nine. You know how much I love the back nine. Appreciate that. Uh, what do we have here? All right, 239-1070 is the number. Email address jmv1075thefan.com. Yeah, James, you're right. I'll go ahead and reach out to some more Sycamore folks. I know they got a midweek road trip to Nashville, so I'll play it by ear with them. And we'll give them all the love I can. Hey, JMV, what do you think of this jumper? I could probably give you a run for your money at the Greenwood Community Center. I heard that's a badass-looking place inside down there. Thank you very much. Uh, Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager, a little bit earlier, the podcast, 1075thefan.com. Halliburton expected back coming up tomorrow. Miles Turner, as he told, Query and company afternoon from noon until 3. Miles Turner on today. Telling Jake and Jimmy and Eddie that he should return tomorrow night in Boston. Aaron Neesmith, who, if there is, if there is a player that has been as consistently important that we don't often talk about, it has been Aaron Neesmith. What a great deal they pulled off to get him. I mean, both ends of the floor. Anybody else feel this way right now, or is it just me? When Neesmith Sets up from distance, shooting a three. Aren't you now beginning to get that feeling that it's going to drop, that it's going to go down? You know, there's a difference, right? There's a difference in feelings. And there is a threshold in which somebody will shoot and you watch them consistently and it starts going down where you get that feeling that you're surprised if they miss. It's like Buddy Heald, you get surprised when he misses. Like disappointed. Because that's supposed to be a layup for Buddy. And I'm not trying to compare Neesmith 
to Buddy in three-point shooting prowess, but Neesmith is getting into that category where when he shoots it from distance, you expect it to go down. Yeah, I can't be the only one. Not at all. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Let me go at line three, and Stuart is up first today. Stuart, welcome to the show. Hey, JMV. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Stuart. I uh, want to give you props for uh, cheering for my ISU. I'm a graduate of ISU. was there during the glory days, and, and not too many of our local media seem to say much about our sycamores. Yeah, and you know what, though? They would say the same thing about me if, even though Michael Lewis is there, if Ball State were having a, a really good season like this, then I'm sure they would say the same thing about me. It's just kind of the way that it is. I, I just gravitate obviously more to it because like you, I'm a graduate and we both understand what it means for Indianapolis in this area to give some love to those over in Terre Haute for doing something like this. So, Yep. Yep. I, I just appreciate it and uh, go trees. You got it. Can't wait to see exactly what uh, transpires later on this week. Yeah, Belmont and Drake. Man, you got to beat the Drake. Handle the Drake. Hey, Jamby, I really enjoyed you and Sweebo on Friday. Were you really jealous that they get Rick Carlisle? Yeah, extremely. No. I want to keep that going, though, so don't tell anybody in the morning, right? I want them to believe that I am. I want to keep that going. Of course, they get that breaking news. Chad Buchanan tells me their plane was late. (laughs) Rick Carlisle breaks news about Halliburton being gone for a handful of games last Tuesday. And Jake gets Miles saying he's going to be back tomorrow, and I get there. Well, I think the planning is running a little bit late right now. That's what I get. I love them. <laughs> the plan is late. I mean, really, let's face it. In the grand scheme of breaking news, the plane is late is just barely above. They were out of milk duds in the vending machine at the airport. Really, it's just right above that. Hey, JMV, Melissa and I are going to make an appearance on Thursday at the back nine. It's going to be 50 degrees. Perfect weather for cargo shorts the day before my birthday, too. We're going to celebrate back nine Thursday. Jeremiah and Melissa. The plane is running late. Did you put that in a promo yet? Oh, that's good. Your breaking news source, the ride with JMV. Although I will say this, when I did that years ago with Manning and the Neck, that was um, and I never had done it before. And you know, obviously I had that had it right. And Bill Polian was still running things, and Polian had like Chris Mortensen and others countering that. People were calling me everything, and now I'm just so used to it, I just roll with it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Jeff is at 239-1070. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Go ahead, Jeff. 
Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit, kind of double back on uh, Gus Bradley. I know uh, yep. they kind of did the press conference and then they just kind of wrote it off as he was kind of being back. But if you kind of listen to the tea leaves, he never really got a, he's 100% going to be back. And I just didn't know if you thought there might still be something there that maybe happens later on down the line or if you think they're all in with him. No, I, I thought Chris basically said that he didn't say 100% he's going to be back, but he said he was going to be back. It didn't sound like yeah. to me in that presser to end the season there was any wiggle room to backpedal and then all of a sudden go, all right, well, you know what? This did stink. We do need to go a different direction. So, yeah, I, that's, I got the feeling that they are, again, all in on Gus Bradley coming up this season. What do you think the disconnect is? Like you get, you know, you got uh, Rick on the show, and he kind of says what we all see. I mean, very average vanilla defense, and then you know they decide to go a third year with it. And and Rick likes the personnel, and and Chris drafted them, so you would think that if they feel the personnel is good, then the scheme maybe not so much. It, they wouldn't want to go in a different direction. I think Chris is in a spot right now where Chris Ballard knows he's going to be here and can say, yeah, you know what? I traded Stefan Gilmore. We went young in a season in which it would have helped if we wouldn't have been so young. And I also think that Chris Ballard looks at the, the records broken in sacks in a season and views that as a plus, even though we kind of look at it as, you know what, the edge rushing consistency is still not there. I, I, listen, I think Chris puts it more on him than he does Gus, thus makes it easier for a return. And, okay, now he's got a group handle this. So I think Chris, knowing he's going to be back and putting it on him, takes the pressure off of anybody really any longer going at Gus Bradley and suggesting that he should or will be gone. Yeah, I, I get that. It just doesn't make sense. You got Shane, who's more of a cutting-edge coach. He brought a lot of new stuff. And then you got Gus, who's just – old school vanilla and the, the two the two don't seem to mesh you'd think that you know he might want to go in a different direction and get somebody more you know new age with their scheme well Shane Steichen had said that the E values consistency and you know obviously not with a D line or you know within the safeties and the secondary with those two guys but consistency with the coordinator so my my takeaway was 100 percent solidify they're moving forward for at least one more year with gus bradley yeah i got one more thing for you and i yep. don't know if I, I don't know if it's true or if you've even heard anything but the word on the street is that the jim mercy situation is a lot more serious than they're leading on and they're waiting until the super bowl ends further to make an announcement on that have you heard anything like that Hey, Jeff, I appreciate the call. I'll answer it this way. I think the fact that we haven't heard anything, and I, I've said this weeks ago, I, it's it's startling. Yeah, for somebody like me, and you know I, I do a lot of stuff with Jim Ursay that's not really sports-related, that you know, sometimes is music-related. I mean, I, I, I just like the guy. I really like the guy. And the fact that you haven't heard anything except for a release and then a backup release is startling to me, is incredibly concerning to me. I will also tell you that, yes, we hear, everybody hears a number of rumors that are floating around out there. 
But yeah, the fact that there's been nothing else said and nothing from him at all, as you know, outspoken as he wants to be, and as open as he normally wants to be with you, absolutely, it's startling. But until you know, you get something. This is something you're dealing with somebody's health. I mean, you just you go with the release and then hope upon hope that things improve and you hear from him again and things are better. And obviously not just from, you know, talking about a football team or the owner of a football team, but just somebody that's been around here and has has done things, a lot of good things and that you like a great deal that has been invested in you and vice versa with he and his team. Yeah, you just hope for the best. But the lack of updates, the lack of anything, yeah, is incredibly concerning. And it has been for a while. Uh, Logan is next at 239-1070. Logan, welcome to the show. Hey, JMB. How's it going? Logan, I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Hey, I made the pilgrimage down to Terre Haute this weekend. The Holman Center was electric. The Holman Center was electric. Isn't that awesome to see? It is. It reminded me of what, like eight years ago yeah. uh, when we played Creighton, Wichita State. I mean, the energy in there, so much fun. Yeah, it was, it was great to see, too. I mean, it was great to see, and then Indiana State delivered with that overtime win. And you hope to see that against Drake on Saturday, too, because those guys are going to need it. Yeah, 100%. Hey, and I think it was uh, Stuart. I think uh, the first caller gave you a little credit. I love to hear, uh, you know, a little love thrown thrown toward ISU. So I appreciate you. You got it. Well, I'm all over Indiana. Thank you for the call. I appreciate you too. I'm all over Indiana State. Always have been. Always will be. I I just view it this way. I view it. I know Jerry Palm, renowned bracketologist, has Indiana State in as an 11 seed, but regardless. In no way, shape, or form as an Indiana State fan, or maybe just somebody that's kind of jumped on the bandwagon of interest, no way, shape, or form should you believe that there's going to be any sort of at-large bid for them because of a down season in a power conference like the Big Ten or any of it. You do not want to put yourself in a position to become screwed Unless you enjoy that sort of thing, and then yes. But no, seriously, you do not want to be in that position. So the best thing you can continue to do is win and then just win the whole damn thing. And I'm talking about the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And the problem they're going to have is, like, Bradley's good. Bradley's equally, it can be equally as good, even though Indiana State's beaten them twice. Drake's beaten them once. Drake is good. Southern Illinois. Think about Southern Illinois. What would they be if they had uh, Damask and and Jones? They're still a really good team. Got a lot of even, I think, up there in, in that top four. At least maybe not even, but close to. But you got to continue to win, and you got to win in that tournament. You don't let others make the decision for you. You make the decision for yourself. 
Uh, Rex Hampton says, how late was the plane? 15 minutes, I believe, is what Chad Buchanan told us. 15 minutes. Uh, he also said that if it was time to leave and he wasn't there, that the plane would leave him. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. No, that's where it is. Um, JMV, I am with your mom. I, what, what? Excuse me? I am with your mom. I, too, do not want to see them trade Obi. Okay, that must, that sounds much better. Thank you very much. Yeah. My mom called me last night and said, uh, you make sure you tell that, that fella, Chad Buchanan, that I do not want to see Obi Tappan traded. I said, no trading of Obi Tappan of any kind. <laughs> I said, Tappan. Quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Quick break. Got third eye blind tickets for you as well. Hey, don't move. Stay right there. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, shout out to Live Nation, my man Jimi Hendrix. Me and the fam, the kids wanted to go see a flock of seagulls for Blake's 18th birthday. Mike Score, original member of Flock of Seagulls, outstanding show in the Egyptian room at Timira this past Friday. See them for a first time. But as you mentioned, or as I was talking about in that break, the Tundra, the truck with 338,000 miles on it had a bit of a standing eight count. I'd never seen it, knock on wood, on the back of a flatbed, but I had a situation with just the Grand Canyon of all potholes, which there are many around here. Yeah, I was lucky I had uh, Matt and Matt of AAA and actually, AJ came out to tow what AJ said. He said, I have never towed in my 10 years a vehicle that had more miles on it than this one. That's impressive. So, yeah, I'm going for half a million. I hauled it down to Car X, and Mike and the gang at Car X worked on that bad boy, but I needed it too. That That is the first time. But I don't know what in the way it, it hit something hard. I know a lot of you are dealing with the same thing. Yeah, so lock it in. Lock it in with AAA. 
Uh, Skippy says this, so I'm tuning in late. Did Chad Buchanan talk about the shout-out he got for Magic Johnson? He mentioned it was the first. I kind of laughed about it because Magic Johnson, when they traded, the Pacers traded for Pascal Siakam, referenced the trade and said, uh, shout-out to Chad Buchanan for doing that trade. And then Kevin Pritchard like, responded to Magic Johnson saying, yeah, you know what, he did it all himself or something like that in jest as if you know he did have something to do with it. And I was joking with Chad about that. So, yeah, at the very beginning, we had talked about that. Um, Elvis writes this. You did kind of get some breaking news here. Sounds like the Pacers aren't trying to do any more trades before the trade deadline. I do gather that. That's exactly what it sounded like. Because I did, and I, I had to hard target it. I also asked, all right, you have expiring contracts. Do you feel it necessary to make a trade deadline deal because of that? And he suggested there is no pressure at all. They feel no pressure to do that. So maybe that is it. Pacer 2000 hopes that both Buddy and Obi traded. Man, this guy can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> You're a pain in the ass, Pacer 2000. That's what he hopes. I just kind of want to see these guys play together, right? Play them together for a minute, all of them together, and see what you have before you go jacking around with stuff. Now, yeah, that's the other thing that Chad Buchanan mentioned, that there's not going to be enough time to get a really good look-see at it. And maybe that was breaking news. I'm not sure. Let's go to Bill, 239-1070, line two for Bill. Hello, Bill. How are you? JV, how you doing today? Good to see you on Friday, man. That was a good time at Manly's Irish Mutt. I think I blew yeah. a tire. Did you blow a tire on the east side anywhere over the weekend? Nope. But I blew, I blew an internal fuse, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, blew, I blew a tire and a wheel. I was a sad moment when the uh, truck was loaded up on the back of a flatbed at about 1 in the morning. Oh, man. That it made me a little sad. Yeah. I was already yeah, struggling well, with Blake. I was struggling with Blake turning 18 that day, and then I had more struggles with seeing the Tundra go up on the back of a flatbed for the first time ever. Oh, man. We'll put last week in the in the rear, rear, oh, rear. Well, let me here, tell so. you about that. Yeah, go ahead, Billy. But looking forward to uh, the back nine this, uh, uh, this coming Thursday. You know, uh, every year in, in this state – uh, in, in January, maybe even early February, uh, all of a sudden it just gets unseasonably warm for like one or two days, and then we have a blizzard afterwards. I think today when we had the Super Bowl here, it was it was kind of like that. Well, that's the kind of that's the kind of weather I think they're predicting for uh, uh, for this Thursday. So, yep, this would be a good uh, uh, a good time to come out, and uh, if you've got some cabin fever, yep. no better place than the back nine on Thursday. No doubt about that. It was unseasonably warm when I passed a kidney stone back in nineteen February of nineteen eighty six during the halftime of the Eastern Shackamack game. Unse it was like I was riding around in the uh nine fourteen with the uh the top down back then on that February day. And then I wrecked it the next week and that was the last we ever saw of it. So good. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was gone forever. <laughs> Yo, man, yeah, man, that that is gone. Yep. Hey, man, uh, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Pacers, but uh, I think uh, Obi Toppin auditioned this weekend for the uh, to get in the slam dunk contest. I was interested in getting your opinion on 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 his effort, his uh, 
between the legs dunk that he did on a no, it's uh, impressive. On a fast break. It was. Hey, Billy, I'll see you on Thursday. All right. You got it, man. Yeah. Uh, I'll get back to the Obi Toppin conversation on the other side. Why he fits so well with this group and why he needs to be staying. Quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder after five. Third Eye Blind tickets as well. Don't move. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Poloy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is not Third Eye Blind. I can't know you. P.O.D., I believe this is. Pelk Dog says, I'm with your mom, too. (laughs) Which immediately gets my attention. We better not trade Obi Toppin. He's a pacer. I love when you guys start this by saying, I'm with your mom, too. That's good. I report back. I just, I tell her absolutely everything you guys say. Uh, he just told me, make sure you tell that fella, Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager, was the fella that she doesn't want Obi Tappan to be traded. So tell him. And we did tell him earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com. And maybe you got a nugget. We were searching for some breaking news, and the only breaking news we got was the Pacer team playing was 15 minutes late. But maybe a little bit of news about the Pacers not doing anything at the trade deadline. Want to get a look, see more what you have beginning tomorrow night. Tyrese Halliburton expected back. Miles Turner expected back in Boston for a matchup. Uh, against the Celtics. Now, they're on a back-to-back, right, James? They're on a back-to-back, Boston? It's a TNT game, so I would assume everybody would be playing. I'm sorry, what'd you ask me? Is uh, Peanut Brittle Porzingis playing tomorrow night? Do we know? I have no idea. I can check, though. James wasn't listening to the show. What? Huh? I was making a promo of the plane being late, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Chris says, I'm not with your mom, but I agree with her. Much better. I love you guys, though. I'm with your mom, too. All right. You know, it's funny. I got to share this with you sometime. You guys always wonder what JMV88 sounded like. A friend of mine sent me, like, four videos that she found of the day day we were um, our final day of high school. And I did some narration. Oh my God, is it horrendous? I'm I'm still shocked to this day when I go to Vincennes, and I say, "Yeah, you know, I want to be in the broadcasting courses." And the first moment they heard me speak, why they didn't say, um, "Nah, you know what? Maybe you should go back to farming or something." It is something. So if you've ever wanted to hear really 
truly JMV 88. I'll grab that for you. It is horrendous. <laughs> I can't even recognize. I said, who is this hillbilly talking? And then the more that I go, wait a minute, that hillbilly's me. I mean, as if I wasn't already working against, I mean, I, the look, I'm wearing pink shorts and a white and pink shirt buttoned down. I look like a bottle of Pepto-Bismol with legs. No, it's just beautiful. My hair spiked, and the narration is just brutal. I'll bring that to you because I don't hide from anything, but it's awful. That's your calls in a minute on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, obviously, had none of those issues growing up from ESPN, ESPN.com. Stephen Holder is with us. My my narration, oh, my God. The JMV 88 voice is the worst of all time. Oh, man. It reminds me of, hey, first of all, never underestimate people. See, that's the lesson here. You know, if they could see you now. My God, but it's bad. I had this. It reminds me. I had this professor when I was in college, and I think I was—I don't know—it was pretty early, maybe even like freshman year. And she was gung ho about like you gotta get every type of experience you can. So these recruiters would come to to campus for like—I mean, from like the New York Times and the Washington Post, and I'm talking about like in the mid '90s. Like that was—I was like going to play for the Yankees, you know? Yeah, and. Yep. She's like, nah, you know what? You're going to the interview. I'm like, they don't want me. <laughs> like, lady, I, dude, they were asking me questions, and I didn't even know what the hell they were talking about, man. I was like, I'm so far out of my league here. So, anyway, I've come a long way, I guess. But, man, I after I went to those interviews, I think they had the opposite effect. I was like, oh, I got no shot. They're asking me how many internships I've done. I'm like, I just got here, man. I don't know. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, man, we've come a long way, my friend. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. I, um, I got like four videos sent to me from a friend on our final day of high school, and it, uh, it is as bad as I thought. It's so bad, it's great, but it is so bad. <laughs> so it is, truly. And All good. It's uh, Stephen Holder with us. Are you going to the Senior Bowl? I'm not. I'm actually I'm headed to Orlando to gotta catch up with some of these Pro Bowl players this week and see if there's anything interesting going on down there. So, you know, it's less about the the flag football and more about just you know the access to some some pretty good players. So we'll see how that goes. I, I'm not going to the Senior Bowl though, um, and I can't say I miss it. To yeah. be completely honest, it's well, not my favorite assignment, but it is super important. I will say it's like 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 Chris Ballard treats the Senior Bowl like I treat or used to treat Skinamax. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, he, uh, that's yes. why he treats it. It's like you go down there, and I, I would assume you observe who he's watching, and more than likely, there's probably a pretty damn good chance he's going to end up drafting him. Yeah, and and I think if I'm not mistaken, they have expanded the pool of players who are eligible now. So, I, I, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think you can go as a as certain underclassmen can go now, which, which would be a big game changer because in the past, you know, it was just guys who were, who were four-year players and that eliminated a lot of really elite players in the draft. You know, if that changes, you know, that, that opens up a big pool, but I, I get why Chris Ballard, and he's not the only one. I get why teams are the way they are about the senior bowl. I mean, one of the, the problems in college is that, 
it's not like the NFL in that the level of competition varies from conference to conference, from team to team. Uh, you know, who are you playing? Who's your, who's on your schedule this year versus another team. You, it's very hard to compare apples to apples. It is. And the, the senior bowl does allow them to do that. So they can put all those guys on the same field uh, and under the same conditions and let them go against each other. And it does tell you a lot. Um, you know, I think if you have questions about a guy, it can help answer a lot of those questions. So it's a big week. And, and we know if you're, if you're into the draft, pay attention to who's there when it comes time for the mock drafts and all that. And, and if the, if a player you think the Colts are interested in, or he fits the bill for some reason, if he's a senior bowl product, put a little gold star next to his name, because that's going to matter. I'm, I'm assuming to a level that that has worked out. How well has that worked out to you with, with the observation Chris Ballard has with the senior bowl translating to him going after those players? Yeah, I, I think it's been, I think it's been productive for them. I mean, one of the things that the, one of the problems with the draft is that it's all a projection, right? It's a crapshoot. You don't know. So what you're trying to do is to answer as many questions as possible. And, and to try to find some certainties, you never really have any, but you're trying to at least aspire to find some certainties. And when you're evaluating these players, you know, a lot of the times, this is a big thing. A lot of the times you're trying to figure out, can this guy play a different position or play it the way we play it in the NFL? And, and if he's not in an all-star game, whether it be the East West shrine or, you know, the NFL PA uh, all-star game, I think they do still, any of these postseason games, if he's not in one of those, you you really have nothing but guesswork to kind of go on. So, you know, I, I really think it does matter a lot because you can put them in those situations that they are going to, in some cases, they're going to be in those situations for the very first time. Um, I remember being at the Senior Bowl the year Michael Pittman was there, for example, and uh, I remember interviewing him because I thought the Colts were – were interested in, in receivers that year. I mean, they've had that need for a long time, so that wasn't that wasn't a stretch. And two things happened there. Number one, you get some interview time with the guy. Certainly, Michael Pittman comes across very well. That's the first thing, off the field. And then secondly, when you see his physical presence, I know that had to appeal to them, uh, the, the Colts, just the, the way uh, that he has brought that physicality. I mean, getting to see it up close – that's one of the things that, that coaches have told me is um, they like to see it up close. They can be there on the sidelines and really kind of watch the interaction. It's a, a whole different experience than watching film. I think you, you get a lot more takeaways than just what you see on the film, which doesn't show you what's happening between plays. It doesn't show you their leadership capacity. It doesn't show you how they interact in the huddle with teammates, et cetera. I think the senior bowl is huge and, and I know Chris Ballard is a huge believer in it and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a good strategy. He's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There's a lot of these mock drafts. They're just really getting underway, obviously. But yeah. a lot of these mock drafts that suggest the Colts take a wide receiver and I go, hey, great, okay. But then 
in the line, they say the reason why is because they will let Michael Pittman Jr. walk. I I sit here and cannot imagine. I would take another, and then I would take an addition, right. but how in the world moving forward with Anthony Richardson, would you even suggest them take away the security of Michael Pittman Jr.? Yeah, I mean, I think if this is a – as long as this is a – you know, an honest negotiation where people are being reasonable on both sides. There is no earthly reason that they should let that guy walk. I mean, Chris Ballard, in my assessment, would lose all credibility if he let that happen. All of it. Everything you've said for the last seven years, I don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, how can you take it seriously if you – if you uh, in this, this particular situation, you, you've gone – all these years trying to find your quarterback, right? So then obviously you have to now uh, equip him with, with the weapons, first of all. But second of all, there's the original message that Chris Ballard has always preached, which is we're going to draft our guys and, and re-sign our guys. Well, it doesn't get any more our guy, quote-unquote, than Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, he's done everything that's been asked of him. He played the contract out. He, he played hard. He's been consistent that's the other thing like this guy hasn't been up and down he's been consistent he's been healthy very durable the concussion this year but outside of that extremely durable I don't know what else he could do frankly now some of this is going to be in Michael Pittman's court right I mean he he is a grown man and he has free agency at his disposal will they franchise him I, I don't know we'll see but but ultimately whether he gets franchised or not, I mean, he ultimately has uh, the right to go out there and, and see what the market will bear. But I, I, I would be not even surprised. I would be stunned if he's not back here next year. I just, I just don't see it happening. So I disagree with the rationale you're seeing from a lot of those, those mock drafts, uh, the authors of those mock drafts. I, I think them drafting a receiver is plausible, but, but not for the reasons that they are citing. So the, the pro is – the catches he has certainly the right. the anti I guess in this case would be the amount of yardage that come along with those number sure. of catches. W- which side of thought is most important in the Colts moving forward with a new deal with him? Well, I I think you have to hope that a healthy Anthony Richardson increases those numbers, and I I see no reason why that wouldn't be the case. Um, I mean, you just look at. When it comes to, you know, putting the ball in play where he can get the yards after catch, because Michael Pittman, in my estimation, I mean, this guy is very capable of high yards after catch numbers. I think he is the perfect guy for that. And in fact, if you go back to, I have to verify this, but if I'm not mistaken, I mean, uh, he had pretty good yards after catch numbers with with Philip Rivers that first year, where you saw him you know, make catches and be able to, to gain yards after the catch because he was catching the ball in rhythm. That's one thing that Phillip Rivers, despite a very, uh, very inadequate arm strength that year, we all saw it, but the one thing he had going for him was just impeccable timing. He could get the ball to guys on those crossers that Frank Reich loved, and, and he'd get it to him where he could keep running and, and, and get yards after catch. So, if they can get back to that, I think I see no reason why uh, Michael Pittman's numbers in that regard can't be higher. I mean, he's never going to be, 
you know, sort of a, an Alec Pierce average in terms of yards per catch. He's not going to be that kind of guy because that's, those aren't the routes that he runs. And, and he's also not a burner, but, but he's a guy who I'm telling you, I think Anthony Richardson will give him more opportunities down the field. Uh, right now he's just not getting those balls and, and it also isn't a focus of their offense as it relates to, to Pittman. So it doesn't bother me. I, I mean, what, what I want to see is when I need a play, who can I count on? And that guy is unquestionably Michael Pittman. There's no doubt about it. I, again, I think the, the numbers will, or the, the averages, excuse me, I think they will naturally increase. That will happen organically, I believe, with Anthony Richardson. It will take care of itself, I hope. So Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I took this from Dan Campbell, post-game presser, where he was clearly down about their meltdown and their loss to San Fran in the NFC title game last night. But I think the thing for Colts fans certainly to take away is something we discussed when the Colts bowed out at the hands of the Texans in that final week of the regular season. You absolutely have to take advantage of those situations where mm-hmm. you have an edge. And you saw in the second half the edge on the road that the Lions had in that situation. They blew it. Now it's not the same level, but the Colts had the edge, a home game against the Texans, one earlier this season. They blew that. And that's what I was trying to get across in the point that I was making. Regardless of what you feel about the future and what you believe is going to be, you still need to take advantage of that moment. And when you don't, it is massively disappointed because no, nothing at all in the NFL is ever promised well I, I think you're right a great example frankly is the 49ers i mean they go to the super bowl what in 2019 and <clears throat> excuse me and you know we're thinking all right man this team is is primed i mean you know they, they didn't have a their quarterback situation has, has never really been settled but but they they certainly had a, a very good team so they go in 2019 um i think the next year, I, I can't remember what happened next year, but like the, two years later, I think they go to the, the championship game. They lose. Um, last year, they get to the championship game. The quarterback gets hurt. You know, this year they're back, but I mean, there's no guarantees. It's a great example of how hard it is to get back. And there's no question they've had what I think is the most complete team, or at least certainly one of the most complete teams in the NFC for several years. Um, I, I think you can also apply this to the Ravens, too, by the way. Um, <laughs> look, they had – this was probably the best opportunity to beat the Chiefs that we have seen in recent years. I mean, if they were ever, you know, right for the picking, this was supposed to be the year. They, now, I think we underestimated them, to be, to be clear. And I know I'm getting a little off the subject, but, but I think it's related, right? Um, the Chiefs – we underestimated them a little bit because I think their defense was so good and we just didn't give it enough credit because we were stuck on the fact that, man, their offense is kind of average, you know, but ultimately Mahomes is not okay. He is not average. He's absolutely the you know vintage vintage Patrick Mahomes. And when, when the time comes, uh, he, he rises to the occasion. Lamar Jackson did not absolutely did not. So anyway, taking it back to, uh, to the uh, to the Lions, I think the same applies. I mean, that was what seventy years in the making, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's people most most people in Detroit in their lifetime 
they've never even imagined that they would see that moment. And it, the moment came, and they had the game in their hands. I mean, that's just – it's crushing. It's absolutely crushing. Uh, I think as, as much elation as they would have had by advancing to the Super Bowl, I think it has to be – even though they're, they're thrilled with the season they had, and they should be, I just think it has to be that much more crushing because it was so long in the making – uh, the fact that they fell short and in the fashion that they fell short, that's just really tough to swallow as far as I'm concerned. Then you had 35,000 walk out of Ford Field after that crushing defeat uh, and knowing that you're walking out into Detroit and you're living in the state of Michigan, which sucks, sucks, <laughs> and sucks. Like triple threat yeah. suck right there. Yuck. Tough tough scene, man. Tough scene. Yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> no doubt about that. Well, do you think um, in a similar set of circumstances, and, and this is kind of a nonsensical question, but I'll ask anyway. It's not like that's ever held me back in the past. But Shane Steichen, similar situation. You know, you're up 14, could go up three scores uh, on fourth down, kick the field goal or go for it. What do you think Steichen does? That is a great question. I it's not nonsensical. I thought it was nonsensical. No, because I, I, I think it's it was such an interesting situation. I'll, let me start by saying, I had a tweet, and the problem is there's no nuance in these things, right? Like I I said, eh, I don't know if I love that call, but I didn't say it was a terrible call. I just said, look, I think there's a discussion to be had, you know. And I'm talking about the that was after the the last fourth down attempt, which I which I think was with seven minutes to go. And they're down three at that time. So in hindsight, the kicking situation was not great. And I, I do acknowledge that. Um, I think if that's your rationale, then I, I actually can live with it a little more. But whatever. Anyway, as it relates to Shane Steichen, what would he have done? Um, he's relatively aggressive, but I think he... He, he's, he's not formulaic in his aggression, if that makes sense. What I mean is, I think he does take the totality of the situation into account. There have been some times when I, I thought he didn't, but generally he does. So what I mean is, it depends on the game and, and the type of game. If you go back to the Baltimore game very early in the season, they won that game, probably their best or most impressive win. And in that win or in that game, you know, he, he opted for the field goal more often than not. But I think that's the kind of game it was. And he realized that uh, that's kind of the way the game was playing out. Kind of a, you know, a struggle for every yard. Defense was playing well, all of that. Um, in, in, in that situation yesterday, if the, if certainly the, the Colts kicking situation was a lot better this year than Detroit's. But if I put Shane Steichen in that situation with that kicker, I don't know. I think he. I think he might be inclined to go too. You know. I. I just think. You, if you make it, you obviously control your your destiny to a to a larger degree, which is obvious. And you know that that kind of that kind of goes with a guy who's a very confident play caller, who thinks that you know what I have. I'm always going to have a play for every situation. And I know that's how Shane thinks. Doesn't mean you're going to be right. Doesn't mean the defense won't one up you. But you know, if you're confident in what you've got, um, I, I think there's reason to be confident in those situations. So, you know, I don't know. I think it would have been a tough call, but I could see a scenario where he goes for it there. I guess I only view it. Well, listen, I would have kicked right there too. But I do view it as problematic if you're yeah. going by some analytics nerd mathematics guys 
chart or card over you and just your gut feeling of coaching up a football team in the moment. That's where yeah, I would find issue. Now, I'll let me be clear. I, I don't think, at least to my knowledge, I've not encountered this. I don't think the coaches who adhere to analytics, I don't think they look at it purely black and white. I mean, let's go back to Frank Reich, right? I mean, he believed in it very strongly. I actually was one of the people who, who actually stood by him on that because I understood the, the philosophy. The philosophy was this. It was, hey, look, I want to know what the numbers say because it helps me make my decision as opposed to I want to know what the numbers say because I don't know what to do, <laughs> right? There's a difference. And it was the former and not the latter. And I think most coaches, at least the good ones, they fall into that category. They want to know what the numbers say, what, what the data suggests you should do because it will help you solidify your decision. So it's like anything else. You know, if you're buying a car, go get your consumer reports and read up, right? You're getting – it's information. That's all it is. It's the same thing here, the same concept, um, as opposed to making the decision blindly, you know, without having all of the facts. So it, that's really what it is. If you, if you make the decision on that basis, that's good coaching. If you make the decision on the basis of, well, that's what it says, that's what we got to do, then you're an awful coach because that takes away all of the other nuance involved in the game some of which is, account, is, is, is um, accounted for in the data, but not all of it, you know, not all of it. And then there's also just gut feel, which is why, you know, which is what separates good coaches from bad coaches. So Stephen Holder, who's going to Orlando for the Pro Bowl and to cover some Colts, I, I got to ask you because obviously we care, and I know there's nothing new. I haven't seen anything new, but any, yeah. any word regarding Jim Mersey? No, um, I share your concern because I, it, it feels like one of those situations where if there were good news, I would hope it would have been shared. Yes, immediately. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that, I, 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 think, I think everyone knows that, that um, all, all of those in the know, they're well aware that, that many people are concerned about them. Um, and, and I'm sure they know people would want to hear that good news. So I haven't heard good news. Um, I haven't heard any news, but specifically good news. And I think that is what is a little bit un, uncomfortable right now, you know, just the reality of it. I, I just would think if if things, and hopefully they are, and hopefully no news is good news, as they say. But it just seems like right. with this and, you know, knowing him, who he is, how he operates, that if there was, that he would want that shared. I mean, you, you can't find a you, you can't find a more public guy. Exactly. You know who is he's certainly been um, as open as he can be about just you know parts of his life that <laughs> that most people never talk about, right? So I don't think that's a terrible theory. You know what you what you're laying out there. So I don't know. All I can tell you is, you know, if you if you believe in prayer, pray for the man, and uh, we we hope for the best. Um, but. I, I hope we get some good news soon um, because I have heard nothing, and and that's that's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, no doubt about that. It is Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You can read about his exploits in Orlando following some Colts in the Pro Bowl coming up. So there you go. Well, have fun down there. At least you'll be warmer. Yeah, be warmer, maybe wet, but you'll be warmer. So that's a good thing. Well. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about going and getting the, uh, the old golf clubs out of the garage here. So I need some dry weather. All right. So, well, I'm thinking we about, I, I need to get, like, I got uh, the potholes around here are as bad as I've ever seen them. Like, it's it, it, raining for seven weeks, man. It took a toll on, on the truck on Friday night. So, it did uh-huh. big time. So, I, yeah, I think getting out of Dodge for a little bit right now, not having to drive around here is just probably a good thing until something can be managed because it is ugly here, especially in the metropolitan area of, of Indianapolis. Yeah. Bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm right right in the city myself. So. All right. Hey, hang in there as always. I appreciate you. Have a safe travel down to Orlando there and back. All right, brother. Appreciate it. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I know that we get to this point this time every year. This is nothing new. Is it just me, though? Doesn't it seem worse than what we have seen with the potholes, and you're right, you go single digits for basically the better part of two weeks, or at least below freezing for the better part of two weeks, and then all of a sudden, you climb up into the 40s and the lower 50s, and it does nothing but stinking rain. I don't know anything about asphalt or asphalt laying. Don't giggle. But I would assume that that is about the worst combination you could possibly have. But it is ugly out there right now. Quick break. We'll come back. It's me and you. Me and and Ewan at 239-1070 the rest of the way. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. We are watching. We are participating. We are listening inside the lounge. The stream, the app, HD radio is always so many ways that you can listen along with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want to lead the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. No hitting in the head. I want them to cry and be scared to play us. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, I do have to see this, Skivvies. Thank you for... Leading me to it. 46 pop music superstars had one night to turn chaos into magic. The greatest night in pop. The untold story behind We Are the World. That is now streaming on Netflix. I have got to see that. That was 1985. And if I remember this accurately, both Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson got together all these superstar performers. Stevie Wonder, Tina Turner, Lionel Richie, Huey Lewis, Ray Charles was a part of it, Kenny Rogers, just to name a few. Daryl Hall, I think John Oates was there. But at the time, the greatest of performers and musicians and asked them to check 
The Egos at the Door. This ought to be good. Netflix. When's that start? I'll see that. I don't know if I have Netflix. I'm going to have to get it for that. Yeah, well done right there. Uh, Stephen Holder, podcast 107.5thefan.com. James Boyd of The Athletic also there. And Chad Buchanan, general manager of the Pacers a little bit earlier. I don't know. It doesn't sound like that the Pacers are going to do any work prior to the trade deadline. Any more work, I should say. And uh, Halliburton expected tomorrow. Miles Turner expected back tomorrow. TJ McConnell back tomorrow. And tomorrow's on TNT. Tomorrow on TNT in Boston versus the Celtics. So that is what that is. And if you missed Chad Buchanan, really good. I asked him at the very end if he had still had a copy somewhere in the office of the DeAndre Ayton offer sheet because I would like to have a copy if he could get that to me and put it up on the wall in the frame. (laughs) Um, I believe he said he would. That's probably before really truly thinking it over, but he said he would. And he's the guy that gets it. It's always a good conversation. Chad Buchanan. Podcast 1075thefan.com. Time for some calls before we close. We got third eye blind tickets before the end of the show as well. Back nine coming up on Thursday. That's with Michelob Ultra and another NBA jam opportunity for you. High score gets the shoes and advances to the finals coming up in the not so distant future at Brothers Downtown. NBA jam back nine. Thursday with our friends at Michelob Ultra and Zinc. Going to be a great time. Hope to see you there. By the way, the weather's going to be outstanding, too. You know what, Nick? I have seen Dusty Rhodes, noted former wrestling great. Not only have I seen him hooping it up, but there's like video. Have you ever seen the video of Kenny Rogers? Like shooting jump shots and playing against Michael Jordan and a handful of other Former North Carolina guys. He was knocking down jump shots. And so was Dusty Rhodes right there. They were playing, I want to say, it's like they were playing, yeah, they were playing in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, the uh, Indy Pothole viewer is, is rather extensive right there. Right, 239-1070. I feel bad. He's a friend of the show. And he was loving everything about the Detroit Lions, I'm assuming, until the second half last night in San Fran. He's our friend, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. I'm sorry hey, that man. happened, buddy. Well, you know, I was drinking a lot of beers and a lot of shots at Twin Peaks yesterday. And the first half, they played like the brand-new Detroit Lions. And in the second half, they played like the old Detroit Lions. Now, how many times do you see a guy go try to intercept the pass it reflects off his face mask, yeah. and the receiver catches the ball and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. It's incredible. I mean, it was inc- that and the drops. I mean, Reynolds has been such a reliable guy. He had two major drops in that second half. You know, the fumble by Gibbs, just Gibbs. everything that had worked for them, Daryl, just absolutely unraveled in that second half. They were definitely the best team on the field yesterday, and they just gave it back to them. And whether or not Campbell should have went for it on fourth down, if he would, if we would have got the first down and we scored and won, 
there would have been, you know, nobody would have been talking about yeah. today, but everybody is talking about it. Yeah, and he handled that well. That's what he said. He said that is the nature of the gig. If it works, then you're lauded and you're genius. If it doesn't, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, and well, everybody second went, guesses. They went for it in the first half, and they, they went and scored. So, you know, fourth and two. You just you never know. He had a guy wide open, and he didn't see because he was being pressured from the left side. It just you know that's why they played the game. But you know what? They got there. I hope the the ownership stick stay play gets gets some better defensive guys in the off season to help that pass rush and and a few guys a few corners or safeties. But you know, still got to give them. Uh, applause for what they did this year. Oh, I'm glad that you enjoyed the season, but I was thinking about you last night when that thing was just kind of going out of control. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, it was, it was tough. Uh, it was, I, I can't imagine what it might've been for a Lions fan, a, a long time Lions fan. That'd be a tough watch. For 63 years, John, 63, 63 years. 63 years. So do you go back to, you go back to paper lion? I go back to uh, Gary Danielson, uh, Billy Sims, Barry Sanders, all of them, man. I mean, I went to the Super Bowl at the Pontiac Silverdome in Cincinnati and San Francisco played. You uh, so, Were you a big Eric Hipple fan when he was the Eric red-bearded Hipple. quarterback? Eric Hipple looks a lot like Andy Sweeney in the morning, Sweebo. That's Eric Hipple. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's – you know, it was good to see him, you know, make it that far, but it would have been better if they would have went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, it would have, been, it would have, it would have been a replay of uh, the, the Kansas City-Detroit uh, Lions game, the first game of the year. This exactly. Year. Yeah. Football. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry it didn't work out that way. Hope to see you soon. Hey, thanks for playing uh, Detroit Rock City for me. Heck yeah, season. man. I thought it was working. I, I thought in that first half, uh, Detroit Rock City worked again. So. Hi, brother. Thanks. That's a Daryl right there. 63 years, a Lions fan. Uh, that one's tough. Bob's next at 239-1070. Hello, Bob. What's up, JMV? Hello, How Bob. You? How are you? I'm good. Hey, I always respect your wealth of knowledge and your resources on the sports scene. And wanted to ask you, do the Pacers have enough horses in the stable to get a home stand in the first round. I I think that they have an opportunity. I don't believe them to be able to do it. I think they're on the fringe of having it. I think that there are some games that they lost earlier this season, especially at home, that will keep them – ultimately from getting to that but yeah i i again i i think that they're on the fringe of it i just think it's going to be tough to ultimately get there but we'll see gotcha and also i'll give you the opportunity to put a push pin on the map i was thinking about you today in my work travels and you'll know where to put the push pin when i say i drove past the whistle stop junction <sighs> Help me out here. When you said whistle stop, I immediately thought of the place down there by Lucas Oil Stadium. Help me out. The whistle stop junction right across the street from EC. From, help me out more. Green. Whistle stop. The elementary there as you're heading down to Bloomfield. 
Yeah, uh, it's on the left-hand side. Yeah, well, okay, hold on a second. The Whistle Stop Junction? That's the first time I've ever heard yeah. it called that. Well, it's right there. You, It's got a big sign out there. I'm, you know, they got what? a bunch of, like, trinkets and shit tacked up on the wall and stuff. I just figured you would know that place. Well, I, I, here's my problem. Here's uh, and thank you for the call too, man. My my problem is I haven't been down forty five in forever. That has to be a new sign. I go down I sixty nine now. Stop it. So I go down the Redneck Audubon, and I don't go forty five hardly ever. So that may be relatively new. So yeah, don't get on me for that. I just hardly ever go down 45 any longer because it takes about 15 or 20 more minutes for me to get home than if I go 127 miles an hour. No, I'm just joking. I don't drive that fast. But, I mean, again, it's just easier for me to get there. So I I don't recollect that sign. My apologies, Bob. Sorry about that. Bob was all mad at me. Hey, numbnuts, what's wrong? <laughs> I'm talking about where you're from, idiots. I'm yelling at me. Uh, also been known to yell at me is one RD at 239-1070. When's the last time you yelled at me? Oh, my God. Three, four years, maybe? Might be. Yeah. Well, I don't have any interesting Indiana geography tidbits for you, but um, I can probably give you a Terre Haute joke that might get you kicked off the air. Why don't you? You want to try? You want to try a Terre Haute joke on me right now? We're living high, buddy. We're high. Well, let's, save it to the, let's save it to the end. That way, if I get, get the band hammer, <laughs> I throw us seven in. Uh, that guy who called about the Pacers, um, yeah, there's no more room for bad losses this season. You better yeah. win every game you're supposed to. And as far as Sunday, the Ravens, Lamar, I'm not going to be that guy that says you need a new quarterback because I understand the whole, well, who are you going to get that's any better or who are you going to get that's better. But two um, flameouts with the one seed at home, that is not good, especially when you held out for all the money. New receivers, new offense. They allegedly gave you the keys to the car, and this is the best you could come up with at home. Not good, my man. Yeah. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully he's not turning into, you know, another famous flame out guy from Indianapolis, Peyton Manning. But um, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. He, he's um, he's still young. There's still time. All right, you ready for the Terre Haute joke? Well, go ahead. Let's have the Terre Haute joke. I took a girl out on a date. She said, "Kiss me where it stinks." So I drove her to Terre Haute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great to hear from you, R.D. All right, buddy. Sorry about your team. <laughs> you do know that it used to stink over there, and it was a uh, was it a creosote factory that made lumber and such. And I think that was there was a legitimate stink and or smell back then, but it is no longer with us. It is over. We have a new Terre Haute, now commonly referred to as Terradice. And as David Lee Roth once famously said, it's just like living in Terradice, and I don't want to go home. That's the new Terre Haute, the improved Terre Haute.
the winner that Terre Haute is now. Quick break. We'll come back. The phone calls remaining. Somebody's going to win some third eye blind tickets as well. I would advise don't go anywhere to close. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. There you go. Third Eye Blind is coming to the uh, Ruoff. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mortgage Music Center. What's this on July? Yeah, July the 3rd, Third Eye Blind and Yellow Card. Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Check that. I'm sorry. July the 6th is the date, not July the 3rd. So July the 6th, number 9 at 239-1070 is going to go to a fantastic show on us. And again, a shout out to our friends of Live Nation as always. Just awesome. My man, Jimi Hendrix, Kyle. And the gang just know what to do. And a good schedule rounding out. I would imagine, too, is um, Doug Bowles listening right now? Hey, Doug, are you listening? Send me a text and tell me when the plan or kind of when you expect to make the Carb Day announcement. I'm curious. Here's the other thing, too. As we approach... The NBA All-Star Weekend, there are going to be shows all over the place. I mean, all over the place around here. I'm ready to have a little fun. Assuming you guys are, too. Uh, Pacers with wins over Philly Thursday, Phoenix Friday, Memphis yesterday, off today, practice. Tyrese Halliburton should be good to go tomorrow. Miles Turner should be good to go tomorrow. Both missed yesterday, as did TJ McConnell. For personal reasons, all three should be good to play against the Celtics. That is a standalone event tomorrow night on TNT. And originally that was going to be the only Pacer game that was going to be nationally televised. And, uh, yeah, because of that play-in, it wasn't. I should say play-in, the in-season tournament. They had others there, but this is going to be outstanding. Uh, Coming up tomorrow night. And, again, Boston coming up tomorrow night in New York. No Julius Randle Thursday. And then Friday back home against Sacramento. Uh, Joseph says, Third Eye Blind, a hell of a show. Saw them at Ball State, I believe, in 1998. Somebody loaded up. Meantime, 239-1070. If you missed it today, Stephen Holder, James Boyd, and Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan. Got the feel that there will be no deals prior to the trade deadline. We shall see. But that was the feel. If you missed any of it, podcast 107.5thefan.com. The legendary Donk checks in now. Hello, Donk. Hey, good afternoon, uh, doom and gloom. Before I start, shout out to Jimmy Ravensdale. I remember you called me out, catching me outside. How about that? Hey, I know you lost his bet, John. Or Excuse me. I said that the Pacers go 3-3. Three and three. And I was right. 
So here's what me and Dunk and Dunk, or excuse me, here's what me and Dunkett's going to do. Okay. If the Pacers are not the four seed, we will donate five hundred dollars to Teachers Tre- Treasures yes. in your name, and that's what's going to happen. You got it. And buddy. guess what, man? I love you. Love your show. Hey, suck it, Ravensdale. <laughs> he just picked a fight with RD. I got to see that. Yeah, we can definitely do that teacher's treasures thing. So a top four seed is what we're looking for to do the teacher's treasures. I do not mind it. Do not mind it at all. Uh, By the way, I am looking right now. Looking, 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 looking. I don't see um, this Lenardi thing got any Indiana State in it. Yeah, clearly Lenardi's got Purdue as the one. Why can't I find any anything Indiana State wise? Maybe I'm missing it. Is it better than I think? Well, it says the last four buys: Memphis, Texas, Providence, Texas A&M. The last four in Nebraska, Seton Hall, Colorado, Boise State. First four out: Villanova, Cincinnati, Washington State, Gonzaga. The next four out: Oregon, Kansas State, Florida, and Butler. Butler's at the next four out level. So, obviously, that Nova game did them some work. That double overtime win. So, I do not see where Lenardi has Indiana State anywhere. Now, uh, Jerry Palm of CBS had Indiana State. Listen, I understand they're not going to get an automatic. Check that. They're not going to get um, an at-large bid. You're going to have to win it. But I was just kind of curious where they were. And uh, to me, I don't think they're anywhere to be found right now. And a big one coming up on Wednesday, Belmont on the road in Nashville. Another one coming up on Saturday against uh, Drake. Going to be tough. Yeah, I know IU fans. It was tough watch. I Listen, it's still amazing to me that you hang in and no made threes in this era of basketball. And as we talked about, this is not an Xavier Johnson, me thinking about the past of Xavier Johnson. This is me thinking about the moment. Those of you out there that believe that his thought was not to show up, Coleman Hawkins. And listen, I know exactly. Coleman Hawkins reacts basically the same way as often as Xavier Johnson. I mean, you talk about a battle. If somebody were going to pick a fight, that'd be a good one right there. But in no way, shape, or form that that was not to directly show up Coleman Hawkins after the block and then the and then the gather and the putback at the end of the half. It was. Now, as far as if you want to team up, then you can debate that, but that was absolutely meaningful. And if you've played basketball, that's you're not just, hey, okay, yeah, go ahead and throw it in. I'm trying to give you a little bit of helper right here. Nah, meaningful. And that's going without the past history, most recently, of Xavier Johnson. Good show today. Thank you all for joining Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Outstanding work per usual. We'll do it again tomorrow with three. James, thank you. Stephen Holder, ESPN. James Boyd of The Athletic. And Chad Buchanan, Pacers General Manager. We shall see if there was a nugget there. The Pacers not doing anything else prior to the trade deadline. Halliburton, Miles, McConnell expected back. Pacers in Boston will preview that tomorrow with 
the normal enjoyment again at the morning show afternoon noon until three that's query and company must listen tomorrow aaron neesmith don't miss that or this beginning at three tomorrow 93.5 and 107.5 the fan have a great night